Before you leave with your hard-earned money on those buckets, I want you all to know where it's going. Alias, Jonas Nightingale. Born Jack Newton. He was born in the Bronx. Then he ran away to begin a life of crime. Including convictions for... Shoplifting. Possession of marijuana. And grand theft auto. Now, if you think this money's going to a man of God, you better think again. Everything you said is true. Absolutely true. Yes, I was born to lowly circumstances. Yes, I ran with a bad crowd that taught me to smoke weed and steal. I hung out in bars. And I hot-wired cars. I grew up mistreated. So I lied and I cheated. I learned hard crime and I served hard time. I have walked that crooked road, and I have danced with the demon Satan. I've been face down in the gutter and looked up into the face of God. And I say to you tonight, if you want to give up the bottle, who are you going to talk to? Someone who's never touched a drop? And if you want to give up womanizing, who are you going to talk to? Some pale-skinned virgin priest? If you want to give up sin, who can lead you off that crooked road? You need a real sinner, people. A sinner of such monumental proportions that all your sins wrapped up in one couldn't possibly equal the sins of this king of sin. Because you know if he can walk that straight and righteous path, if he can go from grit to grace, from sin to sanctity, from lowliness to holiness, that you with all your everyday sins, can rise up like an angel and ride that golden elevator to God's own penthouse in the sky. Seven minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of December in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, me amigos, me compadres, my fellow travelers on the road of whimsy, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are... Here on this Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. We'd like to get on board today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, decked out in heels, and... Wait, there was something else. There's heels, heels, Rick Emerson. No, no, no. He has those clear heels, and then he was There's wearing something heels. else this morning. What was it he was wearing this morning when he came Captain's into my hat. office? And a captain's hat. I'm sorry. How could I have forgotten? And what's equally amazing is that corporate is here today, and Richie's wandering around in these clear-heeled platform hookers. Yeah, that's great. It's amazing. That's wonderful. Wait, what do you mean corporate's here today? I don't know. I guess he's like, oh, there's some there's some woman from corporate here. And he's like, and I, I came up to her talking to a big group of salespeople, and I was like, hello. Oh, God almighty. All right. Yeah, that happened. He was wandering around upstairs. In that's, that's wonderful, Richie. You couldn't have picked a better week to do that. 
That's great. Try to make CBS corporate feel like we're just some sort of HR liability waiting to happen. Thank you. I appreciate your support. Well, all right. Maybe I'll hold off on my Christmas shopping. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, whatever it is you might have on this Thursday. Um, and uh, this is all true. Uh, you can email us if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... <laughs> Pardon me. Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. So Richie appeared at my office door this morning, and I guess I sort of just blanked out the fact that he did have his Captain Steubing hat on. So he showed up. That, and, did you ever get somebody who, it's like when they've gotten their hair cut or they've done something, they've colored maybe their hair, or they've got a new pair of glasses, and you can't quite put your finger on what's different, but you know that something about them has changed? And that was the thing with Richie today. It wasn't just that he was wearing the captain's hat. It's that he was somehow different in a way that I couldn't quite quantify. And then I realized it's because he had these big-ass heels on. And they are these huge, six-inch, clear, plastic, like, stripper heels. I mean, all they're really missing is, like, that little the, little, the pocket on the side that some of those uh, stripper heels have now so you can put the, the dollar bill, like, right, you know, right in there. Anyway. Um, so Richie's Drag Show is coming up this Saturday, December 13th, at North Bank. So I think we've got today, I can't swear to this, but I think we've got some audio from when Richie and, like, nine other drag queens were all on Musicology this last Sunday. So I haven't you heard it You can swear yet. to it. I have it. Really? Is uh-huh. it great? All right. So, uh-huh. so we've got Richie and seven other drag queens, plus Greg Nibbler, God love him, also direct, uh, decked out in, like, the full-on sailor costume, and... I don't know, some guy with no shirt playing the drums. Anyway, they were all on Musicology on Sunday. So we got some audio from that. Um, it is worth noting, by the way, this Saturday, uh, Richie's going to be doing his drag show December 13th, Saturday, at North Bank, which I do believe is Vancouver's only gay club. So, you know, that's kind of at any port in a storm sort of a thing. So you probably want to get your tickets uh, now. I think you can get them at Taboo Adult Video, and there are some left going quickly. It is worth noting Tim Riley will actually be um, introducing Richie Bristol and quite possibly emceeing, like, more of the whole night. So... You know, just FYI. And so forth. It is 503-733-2970. Coming up later on today, CNA Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today. We'll also talk to CNA Radio Correspondent Ed McCarthy. I guess that guy, Blagojevich or whatever his name is, that's one of those names that you didn't know how to pronounce about a day ago. But now everybody is completely up to speed with it because you've heard it 15 times an hour on the news outlet of your choice. So they just dragged his crap away in handcuffs, which was deeply satisfying. But I guess it is, this is sort of indicative of how the political process works in Chicago and how very, very jaded they are to any kind of corruption or graft or flim-flammery. I mean, I think you can sell meth here and you get put in jail with like a $50,000 bond in your head. There, he's auctioning off a Senate seat and he's having like $4,500. So, anyway... So anyway, he's back at the he's back at back at the desk today. So we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins. We'll talk to Ed McCarthy. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini. And I think is it Bob or is it Steve? I guess it's Steve. I don't really know. I got a whole like uh, I got something stuck in the back of my throat for some reason. Steve. Today. It's not Steve. Oh, I thought you meant stuck in the back of my throat. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, I got this, and it's not because I had the call. I had this. Um, I had a bunch of granola this morning, and I don't typically eat breakfast. I kind of come to work, and I, 
You know, you load up, you party. I just come here and I, uh, all I do is ingest caffeine. Laura had this big bag of granola in the kitchen this morning, and I'm kind of helpless against granola. It's sort of one of my, it, 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 one of my caloric kryptonites. And I just shoveled this big handful of dry granola into my mouth on the way out the door this morning. And the, leaving the house was just a, a little bit of a challenge today anyway, because I had to put the new dog, Philo, in the car because I had to take him to the vet, because e- even though he doesn't know it, he's being neutered today. And so he didn't really... He didn't, I mean, I guess he can't really prepare for that because he's got a brain the size of a kidney bean. But he's just a spastic freak, and he just jumps around and just shreds everything and just screams and just gives you like a weird goggle-eyed look every time you even approach him. So, so like this morning, it's like I had the bag in one hand, and I had my coffee in the other. I had this the, the dog on the end of it, the, the, the leash who was just trying to run away. And you know, I had a Christmas tree that nearly fell over, and then Max is all excited because he thinks he's leaving, and then I haven't eaten anything, and I'm shoving granola into my mouth. And then at one point, the granola hasn't gone all the way down, and then I inhale, and it's like I start to take tiny pieces of dried date into my lungs, and it was just kind of a disaster. And I don't know if this ever happens to you where you try to eat something, and it sticks in your throat, and then sort of unexplainably, it's still there hours later, like despite all of your best attempts to unlodge it. I mean, you're drinking beverages, and you're, you're coughing, and you're clearing, and whatever. But even just five, six, seven, eight, nine hours later, I've still got some piece of oat stuck on the inside of my larynx. So, anyway, so if I sound like my voice is ever so slightly wacky today, uh, that's why that is. So, Lisa Desjardins, Ed McCarthy, uh, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we'll do today's uh, top five as well uh, in honor of Britney Spears, who I do believe has a number one record today. We will uh, do the top five comeback albums of all time. Top five comeback albums of all time. Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer will join us. Uh, Geek Watch today. Jackson Watch today. We'll spend a few minutes with Dennis Pitsenbarger from Miles Around Radio later on in the program. And we will have some sound from this last uh, Sunday's episode of Musicology in which Richie and Drag Queens and Greg Nibbler and some shirtless guy were all in there being just as gay as you can possibly imagine. And so forth. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. I was just listening to the audio that Richie sent me. Uh huh. Holy God. It is unreal. I don't even know what to say. Is it fantastic and fabulous? Well, one of them isn't so bad. One of them is all of them singing jingle bells. And then I only have listened to half of the other one he sent me, which I don't even, I can't even begin to quantify what it is. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it some combination of the two? I think it might be a combination of the ah, two. That's wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, how was your evening? It was good. It was totally mellow. I didn't do anything. I sat at home and watched Beauty and the Beast and just hung out in my apartment, in my warm apartment. It was really nice. All right. I wouldn't, I'm just going to make this observation. You've said this before, but I do believe the ratio of staying at home to going out with you is starting to shift. A little bit. And I think, I don't know, I'm coming down with some kind of cold or something, too, so it's a little... No. I don't know. And the weather kind of depresses me because by the time, you know, it's pitch Yeah, it's black. the weather. Yeah, blame it on the weather. No, that <laughs> weather. weather. I'm Not having a great else week. That if, might have happened this week. <laughs> if it weren't for these clouds, I'd be in tip-top shape this week. <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't have to help that it's like pitch black by 5 o'clock. Right. And it's just like, oh, I don't really want to do anything. And, you know, too early to go to the bar. And It's never too early to go to the bar. So. <laughs> That's true. But then it's sad and you're there, you know. With all the other, you know, depressed, drunk people. Well, there's that every time I drive by that, uh, what is that bar on, maybe we shouldn't even name it, there's that bar in Powell and like, I don't know, Powell and like maybe like 15th or 16th or something, it's by, it's by the park. Lots of luck. Yeah, sure. <laughs> kind of freaky how you didn't even hesitate. It's like I, I hadn't even finished the description. The time. They have the most comfortable chairs there. Because there's a big th- sign up front saying like, wait, we're serving at 7.30 a.m., come on by. 
So, which, you know, I Both guess... Both bars open at 7. Well, it's a big world. It is uh, It is part of the tapestry of existence here on planet Earth. So, all right. Well, yeah. good for you. Well, you know, stress does uh, stress does deplete the immune system, so... I don't know what you're talking about. I'd be having some vitamin C for you. What would I have to be stressed about, Rick? Nothing at all, Sarah Dillon. All right. What did you do last night? Uh, well, we'll talk about that here in a second. I should say, uh, speaking of all things coming up today, so as you know, every day this week and for the remainder of the year... <coughs> there's that granola again. Uh, the laid-off Tim Riley will be filled in for by a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. On Tuesday, Byron Beck. Yesterday, we had Tom Parker, who was quite exceptional. Uh, today, we will have, and I think she's been laid off from both print and radio, uh, Dawn Taylor, formerly the Portland Tribune. And I think she's doing some freelance stuff. Well, she is doing some freelance stuff for Film.com. But I think she's been blown out of both radio and newspaper recently. So uh, Don Taylor will join us today uh, to uh, fill in for the laid-off Tim Riley. We've already got a few people lined up for next week as well. So I, I'm i still kind of torn about whether I want to put up a schedule or whether I want to sort of unveil it every day and you know, have it be a surprise. But if you yourself are a laid-off Portland media professional, and the odds are about one in four that you are, uh, you send me an email. It's rick at 970.am. Rick at 970 Dot a.m. So for the remainder of the year, Portland laid-off media folks are going to be uh, filling in for Portland laid-off media folk, Tim Riley. Uh, last week, and Richie, I don't know if my screen is my screen is up over here, but I can't see what's up with these calls. So I don't know if you want to double check. I don't know. Just see what these folks are. I don't know. Maybe you've already screened them and it's just not appearing on my screen, or maybe not. I don't know. Or maybe you've fallen off your heels and you've snapped your neck and you're just sitting there. Uh, I did see him wobble once and it looked like he almost snapped something. <laughs> vainly waving your T-Rex arms for help that will never come. I don't really know. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't even know what I did last night. I was here really late and then I got home last night and I was... Because Laura and I bought a Christmas tree. God, what is today? Today's Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, we bought this... Uh, by the way, Richie wasn't screening the calls just now because he was actually demonstrating for somebody from upstairs his ability to dance in six-inch heels. Have so, you seen him dancing in them yet? Let's hope Lisa Decker comes down to the kitchen while you're twirling around on the good ship lollipop, you freak. Um, I'm sorry. Did that, did that sound unduly harsh? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's just been we such a... tolerate an, all kinds of people. It's just been such an effed up week. It has been an um, week. Anyway, so uh, so Laura and I went out. And we bought a Christmas tree on Tuesday, and we took it home. And I, you know, I told you this is this whole disaster. The tree was like, the tree was too big for the truck. It was too big for the. It was in fact pretty, like too big for Laura and I to even really carry. So we're doing this stupid like half drag, half carry, half push, half shove thing up the stairs, through the door, into the living room, where I'm then obliged uh, to sort of move all of the furniture around. Anyway, so we get the tree. Um, Here's how big the tree is. The tree is so much bigger than our Christmas tree last year, it wouldn't even fit in that stand thing that you buy that holds it up and that you put the water in. Aren't those adjustable? Yeah, you know, we adju- I took, it's not even, like, they're adjustable, but I took those pegs all the way out. Like, I didn't even, you know, because yeah, there's little screw things that you turn in that actually hold the tree once it's in there. I took those all the way out, and this year's tree was actually so big, like, the whatever you call it, the stump of the tree or whatever it is, like, wouldn't even fit into the holder. Because I sort of have this bad sense of spatial relations. So we had to go buy a whole new holder. The tree was propped up in the corner of our uh, of our living room. And then I discovered that the tree, because it's from an outdoor lot, is just soaking wet. So I discovered this as I'm about to start stringing it with lights that are plugged into the electrical outlet on the wall. So I tell Lara, I'm like, you know, let's let's wait a day. Meanwhile, I'm getting sap and pitch over like everything I own. And it's undoubtedly... we're go- Here's the other thing. 
We're going to have this sort of advent calendar of internal destruction to our uh, to our house in this, you know, in, like at the end of December, the beginning of January, when I take the tree away because it's been leaning against a wall for a day and a half. So clearly, there's going to be hint of tree all over our brand new paint job. So I have that to look forward to next year. Good job, Rick. So the tree's been sitting there drying. And there's really no point to this story except to say that I go to the store last night to buy some additional Christmas lights. I go to one of our local retailers. I buy a big-ass thing of lights that says, you know, like, 350 lights. They're magical. Buy them now. So I buy them, take, get them all the way out to the car. I'm on my way home, and I'm looking at the lights while I'm sitting at the stoplight. And then I realize that on the side of the box, it just says in big letters, defective. And and it's like I hadn't gotten these out of the warehouse or out of a closet or something. It's like they were on the shelf at the store. And they said defective in big letters. And I thought, that's odd. I wonder what that means. So I go back to the store and I walk in and I have to stand in line all over again. And, of course, it's a holiday line, which means you're just behind every backward-ass idiot on the planet who is just sitting there wondering what the difference is between this kind of red thread and this kind of yellow tape to, you know, to package up the Christmas crap. So I'm sitting there, I finally get to the cash register, and I tell the guy, I go, hey, I was just here, and I just bought these lights, and it says defective on the box in big letters. What does that mean? And the guy, I swear to God, the guy picks up the box, and he goes, oh, well, these don't work. And I said, well, that's great. Why were they on the shelf? And he goes, I don't really know. Somebody must have put them there. And I said, well, that's wonderful. So he has to take them off my credit card, and then I have to go back and buy more lights. And, of course, that was the last box of lights they had. So instead of having a box of 350 lights, I'm then obliged to buy, like, seven boxes of 50 lights, which I then take home. So <laughs> anyway, so that was my night, except to say this. So did you uh, decorate the tree and everything? I didn't decorate the tree because by the time I got home, it was like 10 o'clock, and Laura already had to go to bed, which is fine because I'm just going to admit it right now. And I didn't know whether I should just, just come out with this. So I went to this this store uh, last night, which I will not identify to buy these Christmas lights. And while I was there, I finally just gave into the inevitable, and I walked up to the video game department. And I walked right up to the woman, and I just... Do you remember that thing you struggle with where it's like something you're kind of fighting your own inner nature about, but then you get to a point in your head where the switch has just flipped, and you just, you suddenly have, you suddenly have just that energy and the confidence that comes with absolute decision. Sort of like when you've decided to break up with somebody, you know, you sort of toyed with it or you've pondered it, and finally you just get that something in your brain just closes. The circuit is just completed, and suddenly you don't care. Mm -hmm. And you just call them up and they go, Look, I hate you, I hate spending my life and any kind of time with you, and if we stay together much longer, I'm going to put your head in a camera bag, so we're done. Don't ever call me again. And you hang up and you go, that's great, because you finally just made the decision. So I walk up to the video game place uh, at the store last night, and I go, I need one copy of Left for Dead for the Xbox, and be quick about it. And so she goes off, because I finally just decided, screw it, otherwise I'm just going to spend $5 a day renting it for the rest of my life. So she walks over to the Xbox place, she comes back and she says, I'm sorry, it must be sold out. In fact, I think it's been sold out all week. So then it's like I finally just decided to give in to my desire to purchase the game. They didn't have it. And so once I decided to purchase it and it wasn't there, then it's like I have to find it. Then it becomes a quest. So I get in the car, and I'm driving uh, back from the Christmas light purchase, and my thwarted attempt to buy Left for Dead, and the phone rings, and it's my wife, and she said, Are you on your way home? And I'm like, Yeah, i got to stop and do one other thing. And she's, what's, what, what's that? And I said, i got to get some milk. And really, it wasn't milk so much as it was a zombie killing And don't thing. forget the milk, Rick. Seriously. And so I go to two other places. It's sold out there. And I finally went to... Um, I, won't identify the, uh, I won't identify the retail outlet. I will say that I ended up last night going to a store known for its 
low prices and unbelievably ugly customer base. Exactly. One guess and you you had you nailed it. Uh, so I went there and of course they had like 500 copies of it. I'm like one copy. I don't of... think they would sell that. Oh no, they sell it. Uh, they times are tough. You can't have standards anymore. Uh, the I said one copy of Left for Dead and they got all right. I'll get it right for you, sir. And so I uh, bought it. I went home and by God, I played it until like 1:30 in the morning last night. So times are good. Uh, let's get one call here. We'll take a break. Come back. Lisa Desjardins. Later on, Ed McCarthy, Steve Kastenbaum, Jim Roop, Don Taylor, and more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to comment on your OCD yesterday. Yes, sir. About uh, counting steps. I find myself doing that a lot. But I, uh, I look for patterns. Like, I'll count two steps, and then I'll have to start over on the new uh, slab of concrete. Wait, so this is like my thing where whenever you go across a seam or a crack, you got to go back to zero and start the counting all over again? go back to zero and start over, yeah. Yeah, see? And I don't know, this is like Sarah's thing of like kissing her hand and touching the clock. I'm not passing judgment. I just want to know what, like what happens to our brains when we're young that makes us do this? There's no reason, like here's the thing. Each, I've talked before about I have this OCD thing about checking the parking brake in my car. Like I have I have gone to the mall or to, to, to go shopping or to the movies and actually gotten up and walked back out to the parking lot to check the safety brake in my car, even when I'm parked on a completely flat surface. But at least that you can say, all right, well, there's a logical fear that your car could, under some circumstances, roll away, like if it slipped out of, slipped out of gear or something. But there's no reason, no offense, to be kissing your hand and touching the clock. There's no... You're not... There's no alternate universe in which that makes sense or is preventing anything and it's like your thing with the steps and the counting there's no reason for it and also uh, on the max when you go through the tunnel yeah there is an amount of 11 or 10 to 11 white lights in between each blue light yeah I know it's it's I do the thing of like uh, I'll do the thing of calculating how long it takes like if I'm at an intersection and the other lights turn red and I'm waiting for my light to turn green because sometimes they, you know, one light turns red is at exactly the same time the other one turns green. Sometimes there's a holdover. If there is a pause between one street's lights turning red and mine turning green, I actually have to sit there and count how long it is because I'm a retard. See, we're all to- we're all together in the crazy, sir. Best show ever. All Take right, care. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this with uh, more of your calls, Lisa Desjardins. Later on, Don Taylor. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. I'm just going to read this one email. Rick, whenever I walk through one of those sensors at a store that looks like two vertical gates that detect if you're trying to steal something, I have this terrible fear they're frying my insides. The only way to prevent my pancreas from being cooked is to hold my breath. That way the RF waves aren't so quick to enter my thorax and cause devastating internal melanoma. Also, if my shoelaces touch the floor of the Max or a bus, I have to die because they're contaminated. All right, there you go. Fantastic. We're all crazy together. Uh, phone calls from y'all here in just a uh, moment. Later on, Don Taylor, uh, laid-off Portland media professional, filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley, uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, Dorothy Carcissari, and more. This, however, from the hill. CNN radio correspondent and pie maker extraordinaire, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. I'm fantabulous. How are you? <laughs> wow, I'm I'm good. Well, it's, uh, your phone is acting a little sketchy here. No, 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 you're out as it. <laughs> wow, that was really weird. Say this. Say, I'm a voodoo child. <laughs> 
Is that what it sounds like? Uh, say this. Say this. Uh, say, do you believe in life after love? Do you believe in life? Oh, no, see, love? now it's fixed. Oh, it's too bad. You were getting like a weird, like, vocoder auto tune thing going on. Oh. There. Well, all right. Hey, uh, how's life? How are things? Good, good. All right. It's wild up here in the Capitol. So, I mean, I know that I'm supposed to wait, and I'm supposed to uh, supposed to be talking to Ed McCarthy about this, but boy, uh, I mean, really, how about that uh, Blagojevich guy? How about you know? And, yeah, and you actually just not minutes, just minutes ago, three minutes ago, all of the CNN radio correspondents were on a, a, a conference call together about stuff, you know, and um, and Ed McCarthy, he signed off. He said, "Hey, don't forget about KCMD, everybody." So I feel bad. I don't want to step on him, but you're but you're right. It's so, crazy. I mean, it, I just uh, make this. And now one, even President Bush is, is ringing in. I have to make this one observation about that guy, and I think you sort of touched on this yesterday when you said he showed up in the leather jacket and whatever. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to expect you to sort of pile on. This is just my editorial observation, as protected by the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America. That guy's a big douche. He really is. Just I was looking at him on television last night, and I actually stopped it. I paused it. And I paused it, and his name wasn't on the screen. It was just a shot of Blagojevich sort of speaking to somebody or other. And I called my wife in, and I said, I said, before you even know who he is, does this guy look like a douche to you? And she goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then she it's like the first time we all saw Todd Palin. You kind of looked at that guy, and he went, oh, that guy's a tool. So, in any event. Remember, I remember your thoughts about that, about Todd Palin. I'm telling you, I'm way ahead of the douche curve on these sorts of things. I don't know what this adds to the mix, but my latest thought about Blagojevich, I just kind of realized this today. He kept, he kept reminding me of someone, and I couldn't figure out who it was. And now I realize he reminds me of, like, um, uh, like a hooligan cabbage patch kid. A hooligan cabbage patch. Does he kid. look like like a like an evil cabbage patch kid a little bit like a bat like a punk like an evil a cabbage patch punk? Ooh no you know okay well maybe that you know who else he hey, looks like? Cabbage patch there. Hey Sarah who's that guy who's that actor that was the older brother in the Wonder Years? Fred Savage oh, you know who I'm talking oh, about I that guy? His name yeah but he was Wayne. Yeah, but he was also in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He was uh, the actor at the end. He was I have been ready since first call rule <laughs> that kid. But it's like if you gave him dark hair and made him about 30, uh, you know, and then had him grow up in, like, like Brunswick, New Jersey or something. Anyway. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, um, well, what is what is the latest with our good friends, the American automakers? I, know, I mean, actually, I'm interested to talk to you guys about this because I feel like at this point, people have got to be like, please, we don't want to hear about it. And when there's a deal, tell us. Yeah, you know, wake me when it's over. Wake me when it's over. Otherwise, forget about right. it. Um, oh, by the way, a quick uh, IMDb search, Jason Hervey. Jason Hervey. There All we right. go. There you go. Um, yeah, you know, it's a mess. And it passed the House last night, $14 billion in loans. Uh, and basically what's going on is House. It's, it's a total mess, but the House lawmakers wanted to get out of town, and they're kind of trying to, um, you know, force this on the Senate. So they passed it last night so they could all fly back home, which they're which they've done now. All the con congressmen are gone. But the Senate is here trying to figure this out and there are a lot of Republicans more and more who oppose the White House deal that was passed last night. Um there are some a growing number who say, All right, let's see how this goes if they just go go Right. You right, know, right. what's the big deal? There is a growing chorus of that and the truth is Right now, that looks like the most likely option because there just aren't the votes for either that White House Democratic plan that passed last night or for there's a Republican alternative plan that's sort of getting more and more attention, but there's not the votes for that yet. So either Democrats are going to have to cave again to Republicans or 
there's going to be a bunch of votes and probably nothing will have the muster to pass and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, Democrats are sort of, I mean, they are the party of caving. I mean, if they were really, that is, they have a plus five caving power. <laughs> uh, that's, that really is, that's their only demonstrable skill is the ability to give up and compromise and then to apologize uh, to whoever it was that just defeated them at something. So that being said, I mean, it's just, it's like you said, the wake me when it's over thing. Here's as, as an adjunct to that. Oh, dude. So I can't even believe I didn't mention this. I, so you will appreciate this. I was watching uh, Anderson Cooper. I was watching AC360 last night because I am brand loyal to CNN. Excellent, excellent. Can I tell you two things? First of all, I got to tell you, I love Al Anderson Cooper. I really do. He's just a, he's just a, the great, a great newscaster, and I would say more than a little stylish. So I'm watching Anderson Cooper last night, which will then lead me to this other thought, which will then lead us back to cars. In the space of 60 seconds last night, Anderson Cooper said the following two things. And don't get me wrong, I'm no prude. Uh, I'm not a Puritan. I'm not a blue a blue hair or a blue nose or blue whatever that is. The, but he was talking about the Blagojevich thing and the voicemail or the you know the, the tapes that have been you know surfacing with filled with profanity. And Anderson Cooper said the following thing on AC360 last night. He said, "What did he say? He said, and and he said and dialogue that could only have been written by David Effing Mamet." Really? He said he didn't say the full word, but he said effing, which really? is so weird. I wish I'd brought the audio, and I sort of wow. I made a mental note to bring the audio, and then I didn't. Maybe I can find it online or pull it off. My, it's still on my TiVo. But Anderson Cooper was talking about these tapes that have been made where Blagojevich and everybody, you know, these people are just cursing up a storm. And Anderson Cooper said, you know, and language on these tapes that could only have been written by David effing Mamet. And my wife and I were sitting there watching it, and we, I kind of paused the TV, and we both kind of looked at each other, and we went, wow, really? <laughs> I mean, I just, again, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not offended. It's just I can't imagine Dan Rather or Walter Cronkite, and in language that could only have been written by David effing Mamet. And that's the way it is. I mean, it was just so weird and strange and great. <laughs> and then a collision of, like, a couple things that don't. This is, don't really quite. It was, it was so weird. And then my wife said, well, you know, Anderson Cooper is very much trying to get us as viewers, like trying to get the sort of younger 30 something demographic. And yeah, I bet that there was people. Yeah. And I don't know how it works. I'm speculating there was a big, long discussion in the writing room for AC 360 about whether to use that line. And I think he may have just made the executive decision. He may have called an audible out there uh, on the set and just said, screw it. I'm going to say it. So that. And then, like, 30 seconds later, and I hate to be making this all about Anderson Cooper, like, 30 seconds later, he was talking to um, to uh, Jessica Yellen, and I, he was talking about Bogoyevich, I think, again, and he actually used the phrase, he didn't even say sniffing, he said it wrong, which is what makes it funnier. Anderson Cooper says, well, I mean, what are they, are they all, uh, Jessica, are they all smoking glue over there? <laughs> and it's sort of like, I wonder if, like, his mom is out of town or something, and so he figures he can just say whatever he wants. Maybe, do you think it's, because I also have noticed, including from myself, an explosion of, of media in this Blagojevich story using, like, you know, S or F and kind of, right. like, the stuff that you hear in Don and Mike all the time. Totally, right? totally. My parish, the way that those guys talk, and it's probably a problem because I listen to those shows that, that I felt like, oh, I guess I can talk like this, but I'm a news person, so it's a little strange. Um, but I do think there's been an explosion since the, the Blagojevich story of all of these kind of usually very, 
sober news people, oddly, uh, using those abbreviations for cuss words. Right. Versus, you know, if, the one guy that didn't do it is a friend of mine who works for Cox, and he said, you know, he would use the euphemisms that we're used to hearing. You know, he said, screw you, or he used a, you know, right, a, right. a curse word to describe the president-elect. Expletive deleted. Expl right. You know, but instead, even on NPR, I think I heard uh, someone, you know, with... F this or something. Well, yeah. I could talk about this all day because it's sort of fascinating to me. Like, here's a thing you'll actually see in mainstream newspapers now. Where they were, you know, you know, uh, area man, you know, area man Lloyd Wiggins said that he feels it's quote a lot of BS that they're, you know, whatever, and they'll use BS, and it's like how BS has almost become its own word. Like it almost. Oh, that's interesting. You almost don't even think about the fact that it stands for something you can't say out loud. Huh. It's like BS has kind of become its own standalone phrase. Huh. You know, as totally separate and as an adjunct to the thing that it actually stands for. It's all very weird. Um, this is very weird. But well, I think you're right. I think you're right. This, I feel like this is a moment. So, what is the timeline for this for this auto uh, thing? I mean, is there any? I mean, because I just want to be able to, as you said, just just rip Van Winkle my way into the future when it's all taken care of one way or the other. Well, we're not sure yet. There could be a vote tonight if if the if the Republicans and Democrats kind of figure out um, the the ground rules. Together, if they agree on some ground rules, then there could be votes tonight on the different proposals, uh, and that still doesn't mean any of them are, will pass. But if, if there's no agreement, if they can't agree on what they're voting on, even uh, then it looks like the latest we would have a vote is tomorrow, uh, and that would be this horribly long procedural move. To just, but basically, it would be the idea of even bringing up the topic, and it needs 60 votes for to to bring up the auto bill. So that would be tomorrow at the latest, but there may also be votes tonight, and all of these votes will kind of indicate what chance this whole thing has. Oh, and by the way, speaking of, uh, of wake me when it's over, the reason I was thinking about Anderson Cooper is because the whole time I was watching AC360 last night, they had this little thing in the corner of the screen you know, where they like count down to the next show that's coming up, like in 23 minutes, Campbell Brown or whatever, but, but they had this, like in 28 minutes, Planet in Peril. And it was, and the CNN logo last night. If you watch the CNN uh, television feed, the CNN logo was green last night, and I yeah. thought it was for all, Christmas. I think all day long. I think the last couple of days. But right? it was, it was for the environment. And I told my wife, I'm like, you know, I can count on uh, less than one hand the percent of people in this country who care about the environment at this moment. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, w tell me about a, uh, a car you that's. You think that really? I, I do because you know what. I think people are worried about uh, the, the companies that make cars and their ability to buy a car before they're really worried about what the car is going to do to the ozone layer over the Arctic. I think it's there. I think it's there like, uh, you know, like a loan shark loan that you haven't repaid, but, you know, the guy is going to be out of the country for six months, but it's still on your mind. I, I think it's. I think that's the way it is. Uh, all right. Well, we should have we should discuss that at some point because you and I are on opposite sides. That's right? interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Effing Desjardins. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you soon, Lisa. Okay. All right. There you go. Oh, by the way, apparently there is a, a whole. Somebody has written a whole article about this, or there's been a blog posting about Anderson Cooper saying effing last night. Let's see here. All right. So tonight, let's see. Where's the tran? Oh, here we go. So this is the transcript. I wish I'd brought this audio in. I suck. Uh, this is the transcript of AC360 last night. This is Anderson Cooper. I'm quoting now Anderson Cooper on AC360. Quote, Mr. Obama denied the governor a speaking role at the Democratic Convention. The governor on tape, according to the feds, denouncing Mr. Obama in language only David effing Mamet could write for not playing along with his alleged scheme. It's just so weird.
You know, I'm not offended by it. It's just a strange. It's a thing that you like. You would never ever have heard uh, on the air. You know, I mean, even probably five years ago. I have to. I have to skip ahead uh, later and find this place where he talks about them quote smoking glue, which is great. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up? Hey, today I, w- I was delivering one of my stores and uh, I saw this this uh, amazing new local publication. I'm not. I have nothing to do with it. I just, I honestly saw it and I thought it was genius. Is this going to be a thing that like hooks you up with with the hot single women who are standing by to talk to you now? No, no, no. Right. Um, the the, the publication is called Busted, and all it is is just a whole paper full of local Multnomah County mugshots and what they got busted for. Well, now wait a minute. Now, we were just it's talking in Multnomah County. Well, see, we were just talking huh? about this yesterday. Here's the thing, sir. So we were. What is your name, sir? Scott. Uh, Scott, so uh, when Tom Parker was here doing the news yesterday, we were talking about how in Ohio, they just launched a magazine in Ohio that is nothing but mugshots. And then I forget, we kind of got sidetracked and we never really got back to it. But you're saying there's one now from Multnomah County. Yeah, Multnomah County. That uh, is, where did you see it? Where, do you, where did um, you see it at? There's a store on 20th and Star called Penny Penny Mart or Penny Market. I totally, like. I totally know where that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have it there. Busted Magazine. We got to get the people behind Busted Magazine uh, on the air. Busted. Did you? And now is it? Uh, do you have to buy it? Is it free? Uh, it, it, it costs a dollar. And I, I, uh, I, I didn't have a dollar on me. And like a lot of those little convenience stores charge you like, a, a, like an extra charge if you use your For credit card. The ATM, right? Yeah. So I, I didn't get it, but it's there. They had, they had a ton of them, and I, I looked through. I looked through the whole thing. I couldn't stop. And, I, uh, I mean, now is it just photos? Is it descriptions of the crime? How does it How does it work? Um, it has photos and it has uh, has the crime, but it doesn't give any real details. Plus, it has fugitives in there too, and like and, and what they're wanted for, and what the you know the re- redemption fee, or if you caught them, or whatever. And like what be. the reward is, and if they're on the lamb, and whatever. Now, here's I got to ask you this now. Uh, now, as a guy, did you find yourself sort of skipping ahead to see like who the uh, like who the women were that were in there? I was, you know, I I, I uh, looked at a little bit. I mean, it's 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 really mixed up, but uh, like most of the women in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nothing to write well, about. <laughs> well, no, I imagine they're pretty beat-looking, but, I mean, you know, just, just to sort of mix it up, because you figure it's going to be endless number of, like, Aryan-looking guys covered in tattoos. So you can have a little oh, variety. Oh, oh there's, it's, it's a total total mix, total hodgepodge. I mean, there's one guy, he had, like, you know, he had his hair, his head totally shaved on one side, so he had some sort of weird, you know, shaved on one side only, and then he had a, his beard completely shaved on the other side, so it was <laughs> opposite thing going. Sort of like a uh, Tomax and Zaymot kind of a thing. Excellent. Uh, Busted Magazine, I am all over that. Okay. All right. Thank you for the heads up, sir. All right, there. That's quite wonderful. All right. That is exactly the kind of publication that people are hungering for today. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Uh, we'll get Mark, who wants to talk about all things OCD in a second. This, however, from the South... I say, hoping desperately that it's true, while I paid through the prep sheet to see exactly who is scheduled to speak with us at this time. Yes, it's Ed McCarthy from Chicago. Hello, Ed. Hello, Rick. A little late, but uh, better late than never. Not I apologize. All. You know, you are having a, you're having kind of a day, and uh, yesterday was the same for you because of this Blagojevich guy. So, I don't even know where to begin with this. So, you, you got this <laughs> it's guy... It's mad. It's well, mad. It's crazy. I mean, it just... I was watching... I was talking to Lisa about this. I was watching Anderson Cooper last night. And just the levels of insanity, I don't think people really, I don't know that, and I don't think I even really grasp it, but I grasp it more than I did a day ago because I sat and just wallowed in the CNN coverage. I don't think people really understand exactly how staggeringly huge and great and weird this story is. I no, mean, they don't. So Obama is a senator from Illinois. He is elected president, so that seat is going to be open. You've got the governor of Illinois who is basically going to auction off 
Barack Obama's Senate seat and then draws up a list of people he thinks might be able to come up, allegedly, people he thinks might be able to come up with some money to either directly or indirectly through some backdoor means, you know, give him a bunch of cash so he can then toss the Senate seat to somebody. And he's on tape sort of describing them, and one of them, of course, is, is Jesse Jackson Jr. And it's all just, I mean, it's insane. It's all swirling around Blagojevich, totally. and it's interesting because today, you notice every day there's a new focus? Today it was Barack Obama. Right. Everybody's watching and listening to Barack Obama, the president-elect, and saying, did he really not have any dealings with this guy uh, in Chicago? You know, did he really not bother with this guy at all? Did any of his guys, were they talking to this guy at all? You, you know, there's always this, in Jesse Jackson Jr. yesterday, just, you know, we were talking a little bit, about that this week, uh, you know, and he comes up, uh, his name comes up that, you know, he's uh, number five, and we're watching to see uh, whether or not, and then he has a press conference, and he says, you know, he says, I did not, and I've been cleared, they told me I had nothing to do with this and that, but you've got the same conversation with the governor saying, well, you know, we had uh, one guy, an outsider from him, and this and that, and it started with money, and then it got escalated, uh, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's just, just, Unbelievable. And uh, the guys at the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, the editorial board, how he, he just had such a deep-seated hatred for these guys that he wanted them off, that he was willing to leverage state money to try to get these guys kicked off a board. Like, here, look, at well, the state will give you this if you get rid of these guys. Right, right. It's just uh, just amazing, this whole thing. And, and uh, apparently he was also, you know, holding money uh, up from uh, from a children's hospital. It, 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 it's kind of like, a, you know, saying, oh, you know, we're not going to give you this, and uh, or we want to get that, this so-called pay-for-play. In other words, you know, all of it, it just really is just uh, extortion at its finest, and, and it's amazing. It is politics Chicago-style, I suppose. Um, the... But they tax everything in Chicago, so they probably have plenty of money to play with. Well, and here's the other thing. I was, I was pointing this out to my, uh, to my wife last night, that, I mean... Obviously, these are allegations, and leaving leaving ideology out of it, obviously, both sides of the, of the political aisle are always kind of jockeying for position and trying to figure out how to make everything either work to their advantage or minimize the damage. And you can already tell exactly how, for example, people like my mother-in-law are going to be viewing this. My mother-in-law is a very, 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 very straight-laced uh, conservative. They were showing this video clip last night that I can just tell my mother-in-law is going to be seeing a thousand times a day, and it's going to confirm like all of her worst suspicions. They were showing this video clip, and it's like that. Do you remember that video clip we all saw of Bill Clinton hugging Monica Lewinsky at that? Yes. Well, oh yes. I don't even know where we were. She was like at a rope line somewhere, but it, like Bill Clinton's hugging Monica Lewinsky, and we saw it like a billion times. There's this but video. People immediately asked, "Who is she?" Totally. And why does she get the special attention? And then we found out after that. But do you remember that? There was always that curiosity. Who is she? Why does she? And, get and, and, and why, is he, why is he scoping her out in the crowd? So there's this yeah. video clip they showed last night of Barack Obama. It was, it was just too perfect. Barack Obama shaking hands with Blagojevich and smiling and, like, patting him on the shoulder. And then standing in between the two of them is Jesse Jackson Sr. I mean, it was just... It was almost like it was created in a lab somewhere to irritate my mother-in-law. I mean, it was just, and you know that that's going to be on television on an end. They'll probably create a whole separate channel now. You know, oh, sure. Like Rupert Murdoch will start a network that is nothing but the that clip of Barack Obama shaking hands with Blagojevich with Jesse Jackson in the background channel. And that's all they're going to show. Anyway. Um, they got 
some, they got some weird thing in Chicago I got to tell you about. It's really bizarre. It's on TV, and uh, it's uh, it's an actor, and, and I can't think of his name right now. But uh, they keep playing the same clip over and over, 24 hours a day, where he says, he says, well, he says, you know, I live in New York, but I really love Chicago. Chicago is my hometown, and that's the place I really want to be. And they keep playing this same clip over and over and over again. It drives you out of your mind. It's just a it's a weird need, time. I just needed somebody to talk to about that. Sorry. You need to get it off your chest. What is the okay? So what is the next step with with this Blagojevich guy? Is he just like back at the desk? I mean, just well, he's the, back to the back to the desk, but he'll be back to court uh, before long. And uh, I don't have an exact date on that. The other thing that's going to happen is now you know you're getting more and more people that are trying to get him out of there. Say so, you know you better resign because that's your best thing. You know right. the best way to save face, get out of there. And uh, like the lieutenant governor now is saying, you know, hey, listen, you know, we'll get him out of there. Put me in. I'll make a Senate appointment. Yeah, you know, sure. uh, we've got him doing that, Pat Quinn. And uh, the other part of it is that uh, they're going to be heading to Springfield, Illinois, for the legislature, and they're going to go up there Monday. They're going to get the wheels in motion to try to choke off any power that he now has to make a selection, because there's always this thing, the way this thing is so bizarre, geez, you, you never know. It, it is- could be this afternoon. He could say, oh. I've made the call a news conference. I've made my selection for the uh, for the Senate seat. And I do who lo- the heck who'd want to take that? Though? And Nobody. by the way, I love the idea that one of the lieutenant governors is saying, "No, no, no, put me in charge. I'll fix everything." When it, when according to what we sort of heard of all these these candidates that were discussed in the tape as being able to buy the Senate seat, one of them was a lieutenant governor. So, yeah. Geez. All right. Well, I get you. Are you there tomorrow? Are you there for the foreseeable future? When are you heading back? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to head back later tomorrow. But I'll tell you what. I think this is the story of the year. If not, it's darn close. It's, I'd it's, say it's, 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 it's amazing. It's it really is. Right behind the election, I would say, at this point. Wow. Yeah, All right. exactly. Well, exactly. If, if we don't talk tomorrow, travel safe, sir, and we will speak with you in the immediate future. My ball is available, though. We're always available to the airports if you need to speak to us. Done and done. You can be on that CNN. You should angle to be on that CNN airport network that I watch all the time. I love that thing. Uh, uh, it is good. It uh, is good. Thank you, Ed uh, McCarthy. All right, Rick. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. There you go. Wow. Jesus. Have you seen that guy, though, that Blagojevich guy? Mm-mm. Oh, he's a douche. He's a full-on douche machine. A douche machine. He is, seriously, he is like robo-douche. You look at that guy. I mean, it just comes off of him in waves. You could, let's be honest, you can just tell sometimes. Yeah. Let's get a couple of these. We'll Are break. Are calls? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe the, never rise a dumb joke. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Uh, all right, so you seem to be uh, pretty well versed as far as what uh, OC- qualify as uh, OCDA. So uh, I got a question for you. I, uh, I I have a few things that I do which which uh, I just can't stop myself from doing sometimes, and uh, it's pointing out stupid people or pointing out things that just that just I think are not right and need to be fixed. And sometimes they're the, they're the simplest and smallest of things, and sometimes they're much bigger. But but I can't not deal with them. I can't not tell somebody that this needs to be fixed and this is just wrong the way it works. Give me an example um, of what you're... Hold on, because here's the, here's the thing. Realize you're now speaking to several people who actually fill 20 hours a week doing what you just described. So <laughs> what, give, me, give me an example of the kind of tiny thing you feel compelled to point out, sir. Uh, a couple. Um, one, every uh, every summer I go to, to a local sporting goods store and and uh, get some get some camping gear. And uh, my kids like the glow sticks. And I swear to God, every summer... I go in there to pick a bunch up, and they're always sold out of glow sticks and, and also D batteries, and it drives me bananas. And I, and I ask the manager, why are you guys out of this stuff? You know, it's camping season. Don't you think ahead to stock up and, you know, get more of this stuff? And I get answers like, well, I don't know. It's camping season. I guess we're just sold out of that. It's like, 
don't you know that you know, it's only like three or four months out of the year that this comes around where people come into your store to buy this particular product? You know, it's just it's stuff like that. I, I would, would say that that's a, I don't know that that's OCD. I would say that that's just perfectly understandable consumer and, rage. You know, I was just in DQ a few minutes ago, and you walk into the little booth while they're testing your car. Yeah. And the lady's listening to a religious station, and it's talking about Jesus, and it's and it's going off on this and that. And I was like, wow, this is a you know a state-run facility. I'm surprised they let you turn on the preacher music that loud. And the lady looks at me and goes, well, it's freedom of speech. I can do it if I want to. And it's all I can do to not explain to her that that is not quite the definition of freedom of speech. Can I just hold on? Can I just can we just can we just pull back one layer of deception here? Because I let, let me understand. You are singing my song. I mean, I think you and I are peas in a pod in some way, sir. So when you say it's all you can do not to explain to her, what you are really wanting to say is it's all you can do not to punch her right in the grill. I know it. You can lie, but I know that's what you're trying to say. It's all you can do. Like when the guy goes. I don't know. We never figured anybody would want camping gear during camping season. It's all you can do not to go find a shovel and just beat him into a fine powder. I know. I can see into your heart. I know. You know, we, we go to a local supermarket up here to get see? some uh, here, Chinese continue. food. See, here's going to be a third person that you it have is. to fight off the urge to do physical harm to. And, and we get these egg rolls, and I say, hey, do you have any of the, the dipping sauce that goes in the egg rolls? And the lady says, no, we've been out of that. And I said, gosh, you know, last like six, seven times I've asked you guys have been out of that. She goes, well, you know, our manager that runs this department, he's working six, seven days a week. It's just a lot for him. Uh, that, that is the reason why you haven't had something for like two months that you can't figure out how to order? I mean, it's just... Yeah. I nuts. Yeah, I don't know that this is OCD. Just for the record, I think OCD would probably be this. Let's say, for example, they weren't out of glow sticks at the sporting goods store. Let's say they had glow sticks. You would, for example, maybe only feel like you could buy the glow stick that was the third from the front. You didn't want the one in front because that was the one that maybe fell on the floor. You didn't want the second one because that's the one that people manhandle after the first one falls on the floor. You want the one that's three back, which is what I do with breakfast cereal, by the way. So yeah, but see, I'll go home and it'll drive me bananas to the point that I'll I'll pick oh, up the phone that. and I'll figure out where the regional manager is and the district manager, and I'll call him and say, hey. You got a manager over there that's clueless, and he's giving me answers like this because you don't have this product, and, uh -huh. and that just seems like it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't it should be so simple to a simple fix that hey, every every June we got to double our order on these products. It just seems like a, a no brainer. And if that guy is running your department, you know, how good could he possibly be running your department if you know if there's problems like that? So I, I take it to sometimes to the extreme of getting yeah. on the phone and. You know, now there's been times where it's paid off. I've brought things to people's attention, and, and I've gotten free items from people because they realize that, that there is no reason for that. But I think I, uh, I think I speak for me bananas. I'm, yes, I'm sensing that. I'm, I'm, I, think, I think I've detected undercurrents of that, sir. I think I speak for both Sarah and I when I say. Probably, the good news is probably not OCD. Uh, the bad news is, I would imagine you'll be in prison within five or six years. That's or anger management class. Or anger management, quite, you know, because you're going to be the guy start on that. side of the road smashing somebody's windshield with a nine iron, which don't get me wrong, I understand that. So It's all I can do to hold well, back sometimes. Well, I'm glad we can be an outlet for you, sir. Hey, I feel much better. Right. I, I knew it was, it was like counseling. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. That'll be $12. All right. Wow. Well, we might as well just do this last one. We'll come back with Don Taylor, uh, who will be uh, filling in for the late off Tim Riley today. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. Hey. Um, that's funny. That guy just called about that busted magazine. I had my first encounter with it this weekend. I didn't know it was like a new thing, but um, my cousin shows it to me, and she, she shows me the back, and it's like one of those faces of mass pictures, and then she turns it over, and she's like, oh, it's all these mugshots. And I'm like, oh. Might as well take a look, see if I see if I recognize anybody. Sure enough, right on the cover, 
<laughs> this girl I went to high school with, who I actually talked to less than a month ago, just looking all raggedy and tired, and <laughs> she told me about how she had got like three DUIs in the span of like six months, and now she's publicly humiliated. <laughs> The, 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 by the way, the best thing about this was the little chuckle that you sort of like coded the whole thing with just there. Um, so where did you see this magazine at? Um, I was at a I was at a family birthday party and um, and surprisingly enough, I was down in like pretty bad area town. I am I am surprised. Every everyone uh, I was like, yeah, I know two people in here, and everyone who was at the party <laughs> who was like friends around, they're like, oh. I know, I know, like half the people in that book. That, that's wonderful. <laughs> but well, then um, I flipped, I flipped to the middle of it and um, saw this other kid who I went to high school with, who I actually um, about a year ago I had to spend a day in jail for a misdemeanor, and um, just randomly ran into him there at the Clark County facilities, and uh, he had gotten arrested for stealing a car or something like that. And so that's sort Surprise. of like the uh, so it's sort of it's sort of like a classmates dot com for hooligans <laughs> for all people right. from Gresham, yeah. All right, thank you for the heads up, sir. All right, all right, all there you, you go. Well, now we gotta find it. All right, thank you. All right, yeah, I gotta find my account. No, I want to see if we know anybody. Oh, you know we do. All right, uh, let's see. Well, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Don Taylor, who will be uh, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley today. Every day for the rest of the year, a laid-off Portland media professional filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Don Taylor next. Later on, we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, the top five, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on the day. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Uh, top five, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. And uh, more uh, nitwittery and so forth. Uh, all right. Well, if you've gone to rickemerson.com or if you've gone to my, uh, my space page, you've seen uh, the blog posting we put up. Uh, about filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley with a series of laid-off Portland media professionals. And I know you'll find this hard to believe. There's lots of them. I was sorting through my email last night, and it's just like one after the other, after another, after another. So, some of them names you might recognize, or voices, or both, or neither. But uh, that's the bad news, slightly less bad news. You'll recognize this, uh, this name. Trying economic time. Yes, indeed you will. Uh, so on Tuesday, Byron Beck, Wednesday, uh, yesterday we had Tom Parker. Today, ladies and gentlemen, recently laid off from the Portland Tribune, uh, our good friend Don Taylor. 
And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Why, hello, Don Taylor. How are you? I am just delightful. I love that thing. You have the brilliant Tim Riley. Then you have Byron Breck, bon vivant, man about town. Right. Tom Parker comes in. Brilliant, genius man. His voice sounds like John Hamm looks. Totally. And then today... That is the best way to describe it. Today, you got me. Now, the... Uh... I like the monkeys after Jimi Hendrix <laughs> opened for them. <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. <laughs> I mean, you may really love the monkeys, don't get me wrong, but hey, Jimmy uh, well, let me Well, let me put it this way. First of all, A, I would never say that or agree with that assessment. You are all uh, charming and wonderful in oh, your own way, uh, you. which I know sounds like a mother going, well, you know, like when you and your brother each bring home a finger painting and one of them is wonderful and the other one just looks like a, the other one just looks like some sort of weird primate Rorschach scrawl from a mental ward. It's like and, when you tell a pretty, uh, fat girl she has such a pretty face. Now, see, why are you putting me in a weird <laughs> position with all of these? You, you, see, you're trying to make all of these strange comparisons that I am not going to be any part of. I'm trying to say it's like finger painting. I'm totally comfortable with it. Keep doing it. John Taylor. <laughs> you will have none of it. None you know, of it, but you it, say. You know, but it's like, when, you know, like every family has one kid that's just not going to make it. I mean, like, we all, like, I mean, we, everybody knows. I mean, every family has the one kid, he, he's going to end up in that Multnomah County busted mugshot book. And everyone knows it. So Even, are you saying I'm the kid with, like, uh, three eyes and the webbed toes? That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying what I'm not doing is the thing that the parents have to do with that one, like, weird, busted chromosome kid of theirs who's just going to end up, uh, like, being taken care of by the state in one way or another, where the mom has to go, well, let's look at all these finger paintings you guys made today. Oh, that's, um, well, that's certainly interesting. Um, and then the mo- And then the kid always says, like, which one do you like best? And the mom says, well, I love them all equally, but in different ways. I am not doing that. So I am not the kid who, like, uh, paints on the wall with my poop. I, I am not that child. Well, I suppose. Saying. I mean, that's a that's a slice of your uh, of your human experience. I'm really in the show. I can't really. I can't really speak. The day to. is young. I'm, <laughs> it all depends on how slack things get later on. Um, but yeah, Byron Beck, uh, Tom Parker yesterday, Don Taylor today. We've already got um, it, it, tomorrow. Was actually I, uh, tomorrow's still a bit of a blank uh, because of schedules. Strangely enough, even the unemployed have things they got to do. So uh, tomorrow we are going to get uh, hopefully buttoned up later on today, but we've got a few folks booked for next week as well. Uh, speaking event. of uh, unemployed news people, uh, Brooke Pinkowski from CNN asked me to say hello to you. Uh, you had her on the show once as a fill-in for oh, uh, Lisa Desjardins, and she had a, a fabulous time. And uh, when she heard I was going to be on the show, she was like, oh, that's awesome. That's I remember I her, but I only really remember her because of the name, and I know that that's sounds terrible. I'm Brooke Binkowski, though. The name rings. I mean, let me put it this way. I remember that we had her on. I don't remember much about the actual segment. Was well, it she just may be once? listening right now, so you ought to say something. Now. Was it only once? I think it, I might, it might have only been once. It was like two years ago. It was a while ago, but she remembers it vividly. Sarah, what do you remember about us having Brooke Binkowski on the show? I remember I liked her name. I can't remember what you guys talked about. See, that's what I'm saying. Apparently, we made a strong impact on her. By we, I mean me, Rick Emerson. So, wow, well, that's very special for you. Well, I'm just saying. You know... I see what's happening here, by the way. I see this sort of as an X versus Y uh, kind of a thing. I worked in, in a room studio. with two men, like, for years, and I didn't have any problems. I'm just making There's me... nothing but love in this room. Uh-huh. All right, whatever. Whatever. Are you getting a little flustered with all the women in here, Rick? Peter Tork. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Uh... I have cleavage today, isn't it? Yep. I, you'll yeah, note them. She's rocking the cleave. You know, uh, get distracted. I'm keeping my eyes front and center. Rick Emerson is a, a respectful co-worker. All right, even when no one's being paid. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, the laid-off Don Taylor. Thank you. 
The nominations for the 66th Annual Golden Globes were announced Thursday morning. They are Drama, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, The Reader, Revolutionary Road, and Slumdog Millionaire. All right, so let's take these one at a time. First of all, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which is the David Fincher, Brad Pitt thing. Uh, and, and Kate Blanchett? Uh, sure, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Are you a film critic? Way to represent for your craft. I believe Kate Blanchett is in that film. By the yes. way, right now, there's a lifestyle and features editor at CNN turning off the stream and saying, well, we don't need to hire her. Gone. So, but that's the thing. It's the he ages in reverse thing. Yeah, it's the thing. old baby getting younger based on an F. Scott Fitzgerald Boy, story. I got to tell you, that trailer is just fantastic, though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, in Fincher... I mean, I'm not going to say there have never been adventure movies I don't like, because there have been. Panic Room. <laughs> see, but even Panic Room wasn't bad, in my opinion. It was sort of okay. It was kind of like a well-done piece of pap. Um, I'm thinking more, and I know that Sarah and I disagree on this. I didn't really care for the game with Michael Douglas. No. Um, it was just too, I, I, after a while, I was just like, I'm, my head hurts. Stop. I just, I, I was. Love it. That was like one of the best twists in a movie. No, it wasn't. For me, it was. <laughs> for me, it was. Uh-huh. It was a magical movie Everything, for me. first of all, yeah, everything hinges. the alliance hinged. has shifted already in this <laughs> Everything hinges on him finding the, the clown dummy in his, in his driveway, bringing it in, putting it in the right chair so it's pointed at the room so the camera's in just the right place so that they can broadcast stuff on his own TV. What if he just thrown it in the trash? Yes, Sarah Dillon. In your face. I to tell you, I don't even remember the clown. All I remember, I remember the clowns. clowns. I'm terrified of clowns. I, I, is that why you were asking if we had a clown watch? I today? was because I, I am, I am cholerophobic. Oh, I, I can find one. Terrified of clowns. All right, we'll, uh, we'll. Do... <laughs> in any event, uh, okay. So the curious case of Benjamin yeah. Button is the new David Fincher film, Guy Ages in Reverse. The trailer looks really amazing, and here's the great thing about it: the trailer kind of gives the whole thing away. But that's okay because I think the whole thing is given away just in the first. Like, the, in other words, the. That aspect of it is not a spoiler. That's it's not just, a twist so much as it's a premise. It is the uh, it is about the journey, not the destination. So and so, what is the deal for the Golden Globes? Do they have to have played? Because they haven't opened here in America. Is that like the Oscars where it's going to play in New York? Or the Golden Globes are international, so does that mean it's open somewhere else, like in the world? Well, um, I think, I I don't know. I think it's the same thing as it is for the Academy Awards, though. Um, it needs to have played somewhere. But the thing is, it can play anywhere. They can do one screening right. in New York. You know, before the end of December. Okay. All so right. and uh, because yeah, it is interesting that it's because I I haven't seen it and I've gotten I've gotten a number of uh, of screeners for movies ahead of time, but as a, but then again, this is the Golden Globes too, so they may send the Golden Globe members uh, screeners of these films way before anybody else. The uh, and Jim Roop I think is going to talk about this later on. The one screening in one city that's the Troy Duffy screening. That's what we call that. <laughs> uh, all right, here's uh, Don Taylor. Uh, also. Uh, nominated for Golden Globes in the category Comedy or Musical, Burn After Reading, the Coen Brothers film, Happy Go Lucky, In Bruges, Mamma Mia, and Vicky Cristina Barcelona. See, and I, this is when I realized that my my movie going, let me put it this way, my movie watching has stayed the same, my movie going in terms of getting up, and we talked about this on the first time you are on the show, just going to the theater, has just... I mean, it's just slacking so immensely that I realize I haven't seen... I mean, I think I've seen, of the last ten films you mentioned, I've seen, like, two. And I didn't even see Vicky uh, Cristina Barcelona, which is a Woody Allen movie, yeah. and I love Woody Allen. So, Well, uh, um, all of those films, with the exception of Mamma Mia, are, are good movies. Mamma Mia is horrible. I heard that Mamma Mia was really good. It was that Pierce Brosnan was the weak uh, link in the whole thing. No, Mamma Mia is bad, and Pierce Brosnan is the weak link. Now, is it bad? Now, did you see Mamma Mia the musical, like I, a stage play? No, I didn't. Okay. And, and that might be part of it as well, that it's... Uh, You're just not a fan. But, well, 
it's one of those movies that um, they basically shoehorned plot around songs. Right. And most of the songs, therefore, do not actually seem to really have much to do with the plot. And it's just like, it's time to sing now. But there's a guy being taken to a police station to be interrogated about a double beheading. And then let's sing Dancing Queen. Exactly. All right. All right. Sort of a cop rock kind of a thing. <laughs> Uh, oh, by the way, and while we're talking about movies, so I was talking about uh, about my Xbox last night because I finally just buckled under a bot left for dead because it's like I, it's like my wife at one point uh, for my birthday or for Christmas or something she bought me that Boogie Nights Ultimate Collection like the two disc with all the different like the different commentaries and whatever, and it, you know and I think that's kind of before I'd given into my DVD compulsion George got to buy them all the time and I asked her I said you know this is I said this must have been expensive I said I could. I could have just rented this again, and she made the point that I, the a number of times I had rented Boogie Nights because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. She's like, you know, it, you were going to surpass like the purchase price pretty soon anyway. This way, you just got it all the time. That was my thing with Left for Dead. Is as I was going to Blockbuster to to rent it yet again, I finally was just like, f it, and I just pulled the ripcord and I went and purchased it. So I'm firing up my Xbox last night to uh, to get my uh, to get my kill on and. There's this thing, that, and somebody had told me about this, a listener had mentioned this, but I hadn't seen it yet. So I uh, turn on the Xbox, and by the way, they've done this upgrade to the Xbox Live service, and if you subscribe, you know what I'm talking about. Where Microsoft has done what they do best, which is they've just stolen something from somebody else, and they put their own kind of sheen on it, see also the Zune, or you know, like anything they've ever done. And so now they've clearly just started taking pages out of the Wii uh, handbook because the first thing that happens when you log on after the upgrade is like you have to pick like a like a bouncy sort of quasi-retarded-looking avatar to represent you. And mine is this weird sort of... <laughs> this weird sort of, like, gay man with a mullet and, like, pink shoes for some reason, because that's just what it defaulted to. But they, but there's this banner that says, watch your Netflix movies on the Xbox. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty fantastic. So I click it, and it takes... And I would be curious to know if anybody knows the deal with this, because I, I go to the Netflix section of my Xbox Live account, and it shows... You enter your, your username and your password that you use for Netflix, and it shows your queue, you know, the list of things that are stacked up to be sent to you in the mail. And so my whole thing is, I don't even know how that works. Like, we were almost afraid to watch anything, because I'm like, well, is that going to, like, does that then screw up my queue? Will that reduce the number of movies they're going to send me? Well, is it is it the ones that they're going to send you, or is it the ones that you have for watch lo watch online? Well, but it's it, it, because we don't watch anything online from from Netflix. We just get you know we do it the old-fashioned way. They but just I'm send it to us. I'm assuming that's what it means. Watch it on on your Xbox. Is it's gonna if you have anything in your queue for because you have the right. uh, watch on demand or have, mail it to me queues. They're two separate. Yeah, but see, but my question is, and these are really totally, absolutely, definitively American problems that I'm all confused <laughs> about. Which of the 500 different outlets for media I should use in my home when I need to sit around and you know not do anything productive? So. But if I'm on, like, because I think the Netflix plan we're on is, like, three at a time or whatever. Because it's, like, the more the more movies you want to be able to have sent to you at a time, the more they're going to charge you. Yeah. So my thing is, well, I mean, if I just wanted to sit my big, fat American ass on the couch and watch five movies in a day on my Xbox via Netflix, does that, like, can I only watch three in, like, a week? In other words, am I allowed to exceed the number of movies that I that I that they would mail me at once if I'm watching them on my Xbox? If, Are they going to charge me more? If they're pulling from the watch online thing, you can watch as many of those as you want. It has nothing. To it do. won't affect my queue no. at all. So no. the queue is the the dollar amount I'm paying for the queue is only for the number of physical movies they would right. send me. All right. You can okay. watch as many uh, on online. As, as you like. Thank you so much. Because as dumb as this is, I was actually worried about it. I sort of spent like this. I had this weird like eight or nine minutes last night as I was trying to fall asleep where I had 
like actual real stress about watching movies on my Xbox and how that might impact my Netflix account. So, you know, because I'm stupid. I have a quick question, though. Uh, Left 4 Dead, have you played it on the PC at all, or has it no. all just been Xbox? And it's been on the Xbox, although I do understand. Somebody told me that. I know this is true. Somebody told me that if you play Left 4 Dead on the PC, that they actually have, that Valve Entertainment has actually set up servers specifically to allow PC gamers to play Xbox gamers on that, you know, on Left 4 Dead. So I do believe there's some sort of a, whatever, there's some sort of a crossover server system, so you don't, you're not stuck in like the weird sort of like closed off ghetto of PC gamers. In terms I, of I don't have an Xbox, and I, I am a PS2 person, so I have I have yet. So I was looking at it online last night and looking at the game and getting all drooly over it's, it, and then 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 looking at the price tag. It's, it's pretty righteous, bucks. you know. But see, but that's the thing is like I finally here's what finally made the decision for me. This is when the circuit closed in my head last night about going and buying it, and I told Sarah during the break where I purchased it, and it's a place we will not identify, obviously. But I just felt all this guilt and shame and ick about going to this particular place to buy this game. It's an ick place. But you know what I'm talking about. I mean, because you're walking around in this particular place where I bought Left 4 Dead, and you're just looking around, and it's like... That's right. I was going thinking about going to that place for Christmas decorations. See, and you realize that you are in some Mike Judge fever dream. I mean, you know, you're just walking around, just going, God damn, look at these horrible, ugly, awful, sore-covered people. And then you stop, and you say... Wait a minute, I'm here too. And then, you know, but uh, you figure if you're going to throw, what does a movie ticket cost? Like eight bucks? Yeah. Give or take? So if you're going to throw eight bucks down a drain for a two-hour movie, well, you know, Left 4 Dead was like $59, 60 bucks basically. So that is what? That's like, uh, that's eight movies, 16 hours of movies. So that is worth 16 hours of movies. Left 4 Dead, I would, I mean, I would say I've easily passed 16 hours already, just in the twice, just in the, the, you know, I'm renting it, and just last night. So, I mean, it really is. I did have to sort of stop and explain to myself that it did make some kind of financial sense. So, so you're, you're 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 pushing it, and I I don't need any more time sucks. I don't need. To. It is, man, and I'll tell you I this. I haven't even finished Lego Batman. <sighs> see, and the Lego the, the Lego Star, and we're gonna, I can tell already because I can <laughs> see from the detached and utterly disinterested look on Sarah's face. We're going to have to rein ourselves in. Just like yesterday, Tom Parker and I could have spent all day going, and then uh, one time I worked at uh, KGBQ. Did you ever work there? Yeah, was Mark St. Mark the program director there? Was that before they flipped off? No, you guys could have had done more inside talk if you tried. Were they bright AC, or had they they gone churban at that point? Uh, I love when two uh, radio people are in the same room, too, because it's always one-upping. Because it's like, but it's it's under the guise of, like, we're bonding, but really it's just each of them bragging back and forth to how many stations they've been fired from. Totally. Did you work for Jeff Johnson? (laughs) Had he had a service breakdown yet? No, he was still throwing coffee cups at interns then, though. I totally told a throwing coffee cup story. It was off the air. Uh, it was after the show, but I completely told a story to Tom Parker yesterday, doing exactly what Sarah was trying to do, like this big sort of a uh, whatever. It's like wank fest, but it's under the guise of you guys being like, oh, look at how close we are. But really, neither one is really listening to the other one. No, you're just waiting for a chance to go like, no, 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 you don't know about firing. Let me tell yep. you. You don't know from you don't know from bad program director. <laughs> but you and I can do that with, uh, with movies and video games. Yeah. I can already tell. I will say this one final thing. The Lego... Like the Lego Batman, it, 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 Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Star Wars, I, it, that's a thing where I can, re, it's like a band that is really, really talented that you just don't want to listen to. And I know that that makes me a bad person, but really just playing that Lego Star Wars game was, it was an example of my absolute mixed emotions about something. Because the Lego Star Wars game and the other Lego games as well are really just amazingly done. They're just astonishing. But you know what? They're just too complicated for me. 
I mean, solve a puzzle. I mean, it just starts to feel like work at a certain point when I'm having to, like, figure out, you know, like, how to assemble something or, like, trying to solve some sort of riddle so I can get through a moving wall so I can go find an amulet or whatever. It's like I just want to, like, I just want to be shooting things in the face. That's really my whole deal. So, so uh, uh, Coincidentally, since I don't think we're going to get through this uh, Golden Globe list, there's a lot of movies there. But I do have, uh, Sarah was just kind of to point out to me, a, a story about Lego. Fantastic. So this ties in. Uh, a family of Lego addicts with a collection of half a million bricks have revealed their latest festive model, a giant 250,000-piece Christmas church worth 10,000 pounds. The Addis family took seven painstaking weeks to piece together the seven-foot-high and five-foot-wide 100-kilogram replica, which now takes pride of place in their lounge. Mike Addis, 50, and his wife, Catherine Waitman, 45, both Lego fanatics in childhood, each spent 170 hours building their pride and joy piece by piece. And this is where? Uh, this is in uh, England somewhere. Hergen, Flergen, Fliegen. It wasn't in Sweden or whatever, because I think Lego is from Sweden. Uh, it's uh, it's a design. The, the church is based on All Saints Church in Earls Barton, Northamptonshire. Uh, i, I well, okay, let me just say two things. This one, is from the Daily Mail. So. Oh, that, so it's London. It so it, two things. One, Sarah and I have talked about this before, about how there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who want to build the Lego thing themselves, and there are people who want to cheat by buying one of those Lego monstrosities that has, like, the ship already assembled inside, and really your whole thing is just to put the guys on top of it. So there's that. Also, the thing about, see, and normally that's the kind of thing that I would find sort of weird or strange or creepy or whatever. I mean, you know, I know I spend my time shooting animatronic zombies or whatever on the screen, but but that Lego stuff is fascinating to me to the point that I think in San Diego there is a museum you can go to. I think it's San Diego where they've created a scale model of huge parts of the city. They've taken whole swaths of, of San Diego and they've replicated it in Lego, and then it's like preserved, and you can walk through, and you can look at it, and it's just. Well, at Legoland, uh, you, there's a ride where you go on a little boat, I think, and you go what, around. at Legoland. Yes, where? there are there are two Legoland parks, one in California and one in wherever Legos are from Germany or whatever it is, and it's a park, and it's based, it's all about Legos, and um and yeah, they have uh, models that they have built of Big Ben and of of world centers and and popular landmarks, and there's a little boat ride, and you ride around this boat, and you look at these things and there's just huge things that they've made out of legos and there's rides for the kids and all right. it's all about lego so i'm going to give you uh there's a little fill in the blank thing i am now thinking of three other construction oriented toys from you and i are about the same age i think from our childhood i'm thinking of three of them can you name two of them uh erector sets well done see that's the one i wouldn't have uh, i wouldn't have thought you I, that strikes me more of a guy thing so i'm impressed that you came up with that uh, lincoln logs well done take your toys oh uh, look at you <laughs> i have lincoln logs I love them very, very much. This is going, Eerie, isn't it? This is going swimmingly, Don Taylor. <laughs> Let's get a couple calls, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Speak now. Hello? Oh, yeah. Hello. Hi, how you doing over there? Fine. That's great. Oh, is this Rick? <laughs> yes, hello. Hi, you're on the air, you're on the air, sir, speaking to thousands well, of people. Yeah, I was calling about the Netflix thing. I actually am using it with my TiVo. I just hooked it up last night. So wait, and, wait so you can oh, get Netflix on your TiVo? That happened just like last week or two. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. I well, say, I exhaling as though it's the worst thing that could possibly have happened to me. All right. So how does that work? Well, okay. What you do is you go to your Netflix account, and if you look at your queue, there's now another tab that says instant. Okay. So you have your normal queue, and then you have the videos that could be played over your PC. What Netflix did is they used the play on your PC as kind of a trial. And now that they got that all figured out, 
their streaming uh, video to uh, Xbox and TiVo and all these different services. Here's the thing. I have to tell you, I really do just root for Netbox, uh, Netflix in just every every sense of the word because they were the first to be doing it. And there's a lot of the other uh, companies and big video stores that have tried to come along and push them out sort of Microsoft style. But Netflix... Man, they are the little company that could and has and I think will continue to because they struck alliances, as you said, with all of these other companies. And it really was just such – I mean, here's the thing about about Netflix, too, is I remember just a few years ago, it seems like, hearing about, hey, there's this company and they'll send you movies in the mail, which seemed like such a groundbreaking innovation. And maybe it was, but in retrospect, it seems so obvious it's hard to believe nobody had done it before that. And – but even now, it just seems quaint. I mean, just a couple of years on, the idea of you're getting like this plastic disc in the mail that'll let you watch something just seems so hopelessly old-fashioned. But I dig the fact that they are just doing everything they can to remain the preeminent movie service. Um, you know, and, and, and by partnering with two things I love, which are Xbox and TiVo. Have, so you have a TiVo. Do you do the? Uh, have you hooked up the Amazon Unbox thing, sir? That costs money, so I don't. <laughs> I pay enough for TiVo as it is. So I, I, have, it I have used Amazon Unbox on my uh, PC. Though. Amazon Unbox is pretty great. Uh, I've only used it a couple times, and just like you said, sir, because it because it costs. But if I absolutely can't find anything anywhere else, or if it's gone and it's something I really like, I tried to do it with Radio Days uh, it, on Sunday night when we were getting that audio together for Tim's last day. I went, uh, opened up my TiVo, went to Amazon Unbox, which lets you stream like tens of thousands of TV shows and movies from Amazon, anything basically that Amazon.com stocks directly to your TiVo, which is, I mean, really dangerous. That's the sort of thing you got to, like, watch yourself on because it's easy to hit yes like five, six, seven, eight, nine times, and then you're like then you're like $1,000 in, in the red. So. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's supported on the Xbox, but on the TiVo it's really sweet because once it's in your instant queue, <clears throat> the TiVo remembers what you played. So, like, uh, uh, last night I was watching uh, Pan's Labyrinth, let's mm-hmm. say. So I started watching it. My wife came home. She said, I don't want to watch that. So I just went back to live TV and TiVo. Um, later that night, I went back and it said, do you want to resume playing? That's pretty good. Everything is streamed. Nothing's stored on your box. And what really surprised me is on my uh, on my TiVo, I have it hooked up wirelessly. It's not wired in. Right. So you have a drop of of potential bandwidth because it's wireless, right? Because wireless is always going to be slower than wired. But... Even though it was wireless on my TiVo, it still came through as high def, the best quality possible. Uh-huh. So it, it was just sweet. You can rewind, you can fast forward, you can watch it as many times as you want. And the best part is that my TiVo, uh, my uh, Netflix membership is the eight ninety nine. All you need is one of the unlimited memberships. Um, and I'm like, well, this is great. All I have to do is just stream it. Um, the only thing that's missing is the selection of stuff that can be streamed is fairly limited. Can now. I tell you I'm this? I'm assuming that's going to change. Conversations like this almost make it worthwhile to get some sort of horrific disability. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, just, you know, just like lose a leg or maybe uh, like one of the ears you don't use or something. There has never been a better time for shut-ins. That's right. I mean, you're, I mean, it's a golden time to be a hermit or just like that Haddon guy in contact. <laughs> Where I can just live in some sort of saline-filled capsule that floats in geosynchronous orbit around the Earth. All right, thank you for the clarification, yeah, my friend. There you go. You're yeah. a good person. Thank you. Hello, Sarah. Hi. How do you feel about broadband wireless Internet connectivity to TiVo? Boy, I've never been more excited. I can tell that you find the whole thing very sexy. My eyes were actually glazing over there, too, and I'm, I mean, I'm geekier than Sarah is. So. We'll come back after this. More from Don Taylor filling in for the late off Tim Riley. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Jim Roop, top five and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> Your
Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Here, I hit that post without even trying. No, you were you know, trying. You know who didn't? You know who didn't do that yesterday? Tom Parker. That's all. I'm just saying. I mean, it, you know, really, if we're going to be honest. You kept about blaming things. everything else about it. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, for the rest of this year, we're going to be filling in uh, for the laid-off Tim Riley with a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals today. It is Don Taylor joining us today and doing a splendid job so far. Thank you. Right. How are you feeling about today on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm loving this. I really am. I, I was a little concerned about it ahead of time. Uh, not real, being wildly unqualified to read the news on no. the radio. So. Really, have you ever listened uh, to this show? I mean, for any substantial, we're almost all of us. Really, Tim was the only one who was really wildly qualified to do anything. <laughs> I mean, Sarah and I don't really have a whole lot of actual no. skills in any. Real we really way. do nothing. No, no. This is this we're is talking about psychoses and whatnot. Oh, by the way, I found the. This is about my. Uh, this is the last time I'll talk about this. My my Xbox Live avatar. Uh, and the only reason I mention this is because really? I'm just saying, because I found my wife actually made a remark that I wrote down. I knew I'd written this down somewhere. Because if you played, you played, what was it the deal with you with your family? Was it Wii Basketball? Or? It Wii Bowling. Wii Bowling. And we, we actually did spend a good half an hour all making, my mom, my dad, and I, we all made avatars for ourselves. See, see that's the thing. See, I know that you, see, so you mock. Uh, I, I am the object know. of derision and scorn, but I know that you've done this. Um, but, but you know, we, we, you make avatars for yourself where it's like this weird little, like, weeble-looking uh, character and whatever. And you didn't used to do that on Xbox until the Wii became such a huge hit. Then they issued this update a while ago, and now when you log into Xbox Live, there's like a little uh, avatar for yourself. And they just and they look terrible. They're just awful. And and it's like I wanted to just skip past that whole phase. Like, I didn't even care. Like, you know, create an avatar. I'm like, don't want to. Must kill zombies. And so I'm just getting through... And it's like that. It's like back in back in the olden days when you would be playing a video game and you'd have some sort of high score, and it would be like, all right now pick three letters, uh, you know, or whatever, and it would be like R, K, E, or you know, whatever it is. But it's like most of us didn't even really care, and so you just go da, 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 and you hit A A A, and like that's and so you'd look at the highest scores for the day, and there was all a bunch of A A A's, like two people who had actually done their initials, and then some people who put like ass or something. So I'm just skipping past the avatar thing, and I just pick whatever comes up first. I'm like, fine, good, go. Not realizing it would be seen by everybody who logs in and looks at my account. <laughs> my wife looked at my avatar for Xbox Live, and she said, quote, You know, you should change that. You're really gay with a mullet. Followed by, and you have girl legs. What's wrong with you? Why did I marry you? So there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I heart her. Don Taylor, don't we all? Uh, Don Taylor in for uh, the laid-off Tim Riley. We have a teacher watch. Here's your uh, teacher watch. For Thursday. Can I talk over this or break No, it it'll or... come to a natural oh, okay. end. <laughs> oh, there All we right, go. ladies and gentlemen, here is Don Taylor with your teacher watch for Thursday. A former Michigan high school teacher was in court Monday after being arraigned on a charge of indecent exposure and having sex with a student. Kelly Ann Abdo of Luna Pier pleaded innocent to the count. Monroe County Prosecutor William Nichols' office said Abdo is accused of having sex with the student in a car on a public street next to a house where there was a high school party. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, and wrong, and wrong, and dirty, and dirty. Other students told the prosecutor's office that they saw the two naked in the car. Wow. 
The prosecutor's... Kellyanne! <laughs> you put your bosoms away! The prosecutor's office also said Abdo is being investigated, but has not been charged in another case involving inappropriate sexual relations with a 17-year-old student. This story is useless without pics. Abdo was a math teacher and volleyball coach at the Monroe House High School. Now, hold on. Now, before I even figure... Don't tell me what she looks like. I don't want to know quite yet. She's a volleyball coach and what? Uh, math teacher. I could go either way. I'll tell you this. Uh, the woman who was the volleyball and general athletics uh, instructor at my high school was a um, bit of a dog walker. Uh, and, I mean, really just, you know, just just seemed – and just hair like steel wool and just lots of, like, sort of, like, rippling muscles and just looked like she would just beat you into a powder – uh, and it wasn't until later that I kind of put together why, you know, I was I was young and naive. I didn't really put together exactly why she had a bit of a sort of mannish look to her. But volleyball coach. Um, well, she was Kelly, Kelly Ann here is actually quite pretty. She, in the one picture, she looks a little like Kelly Clarkson. I was, that, that is exactly who I was going to describe her to him. See, and I was actually going to say Kelly Ann. That name goes with a cute girl. Oh, I found a not so cute picture of her, though. Really? But I mean, is it when you say not so cute, is it like not so cute, but still trashy? Like, is it kind of like, nah. you know, like uh, like a little too much attention from Daddy? Well, I just wonder, did well, she... she's crying there, and that's oh, kind of a yeah. sexy look anyway, so. Did she go to the party, crying? though? Did she go to the actual high school party, and then they went out to the car and had sex? Or did well, the she, boys like... don't have cars. you got to go to where the, I mean, sometimes you got to drive that's to the true. restaurant. It doesn't say if the student was male or female, either. And she <gasps> is. says a student. She, oh, is, I just... she is a volleyball coach. There's more information on this story than the one that I told you. Oh, is it? Have we been making fun of something that's... Does it end with a student in a ditch, like, with no head? Oh, God, does it? <laughs> Jesus. No, no. no this is a... It's, wait, I think this is a different one. What's the, what high school is that from? Uh, Are we going to have to take this whole thing Luna out? It's from Michigan. I don't think it says what the actual uh, Okay, so this one says is. Middleton. Well, please tell me this doesn't end with, like... And then the Black retractable baton perforated the colon. Well, this one has her... Monroe maybe. High School. This is Monroe <gasps> High School. Okay, everyone stop. What's going on? I don't understand. Is this story you're looking at, Sarah, the same hot for teacher story that Don Taylor is reading? No, this is a different teacher. Okay, so sorry, I thought it was the same one. All right, so let's all stop. Does that story have a picture of Kellyanne? Yeah, one where she's not crying. I mean, hold on. Okay, then now see, she's hot. Uh, I think these are two different people because she did look pretty in that picture. This is, uh, by the way, if you all want to see this, and I know you do, uh, you go to uh, uh, the internet and you Google this, Kellyanne, uh, you know, K E L L Y A N N. Abdo, A-B-D-O, Kellyanne Abdo, pleaded innocent to the count, but guilty of being, uh, I would say, more than a little uh, more than a little uh, trashy here and hot. So there you go. <laughs> the best thing is when it says other students told the prosecutor's office they saw the two naked in the car. Like, not just getting it on or partially enclosed, but full-on screaming naked. But outside a high school party, what, what are the circumstances where this happened? Was she going to pick her up after the party and met her outside and then see, they, they couldn't wait? Now, see, you're assuming it's a girl. Is that because she's a volleyball coach? Well, I don't coach? know. At first I was assuming it was a boy, but then since there was no gender given. That's true. There is no gender. By the way, we should say uh, we should say that we don't know how old. They don't identify the age of the student. Uh, so I don't know how. And, of course, it's wrong and a crime and, you know, don't do this and so forth. But, I mean, really, I'm surprised that there hasn't been. Why hasn't there been some sort of an investigation or some sort of just like a, a report or a story or, you know, doesn't it seem like this teacher sex thing is do you think it, we are reporting on it more or is it happening more or both or neither? I think I think it's like 
I think it's like just about everything that people get hysterical about anymore. It's that with the Internet and the 24-hour news networks and just the proliferation of information, we hear about this stuff so much more. I mean, I knew a girl in high school who, who had sex with a teacher, and she ended up reporting him, and he got fired. And I mean, it's... It was consensual, and then she just, she changed her mind? And, no. Well, I mean, it was, yeah, it was consensual, and then she realized this, this was wrong. Right. You should not have done this. In junior high school, in fact, there was a teacher. We used to call him behind his back. We called him the molester because he was way too <laughs> into know. the girls. And then, uh, the molester. I like it. You don't even. There's not even any wit or subtlety involved. No, no sugar Well, we were twelve. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's Mr. Rapey. And but, uh, but years later, after I graduated high school, one of the girls I thought he had he had uh, married a former student, and it was one of the girls in my junior high school class. He had been dating her mother, and then met her wow. and married her. That is so, oh, that is so wrong. Um, wrong. Yes. Yes. Wrong. It is. wrong is what it is. I'm just saying. How would it be anything but wrong? Because it's fascinating. I was going to say. And it's like, what kind of relationship just, do you have with your mother? It's that especially you're... fascinating. What I heard about that was like, oh, God. And we knew. Even then, when we were in his class, we knew. We used to joke about it. See, my first response is going to be, that's great. Not because I'm advocating that kind of behavior, but because it's just a great story. I mean, that's like Bill Wyman and his family tree. I mean, you know, Bill Wyman for the Rolling Stones. This is a thing that we've sort of. I mean, the world has just gotten either so crazy or we have started to report on the craziness so nonstop that even scandals from years past we sort of have forgotten about. Things that I think in a less media-saturated era, scandals that we would still be talking about have become yesterday's news because they've just been, you know, they've been, you know, because they've been superseded by something else. Bill Wyman, who was the bass player for the Rolling Stones for many years, this is totally true, but Bill Wyman had this thing where he married some some hot blonde woman. The hot blonde woman's daughter... So Bill Bill Wyman marries this model. The model's daughter marries Bill Wyman's son. Later on, both couples divorce and swap. And so then Bill Wyman marries the daughter of the wife he was married to, and his son marries the mom of his ex-wife. So now, and somebody actually at one point drew like an actual family tree. What is this from? This is the rolling of the bass player for the Rolling Stones. That is just wrong. Married a woman, his son married the daughter, and then they switched at some point. And it was a whole thing of, like, how he is, like, his own second uncle twice removed, you know, one of those things. But it was totally true. So, well, in any event. So, I'm, you know, we're not advocating this. But, but, you're, but you're right. Every teacher, every school has this kind of a thing. And so he was dating the mom, this teacher, yeah. and, then, and then eventually married the daughter. Right. Because she was of age at that point. She was, like, that Was she an attractive man? He was, actually. He was a young teacher. He was When I was in junior high school, he's one of those guys who was kind of in his 20s. He was the music teacher, uh, so he was the hip teacher. He'd have course. to, like, listen to Stairway to Heaven so yeah. that we could, like, you know, get into music. <laughs> he was one of those guys. He was a Mr. Holland? Yes. All right. So, uh, no, 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 you kids. Let me reach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach these troubled yeah. students through rock and roll. He had a porn stash and sideburns. Of course. Well, that's what gets the ladies, apparently. Um, we didn't have that, to the best of my knowledge. I don't think we had any. I, I mean, I'm sure we did. To the best of my knowledge, I couldn't tell you definitively that we had any teachers getting it on with students. We had teachers who were a little too touchy, mm-hmm. but never in any, like, really... Like, I, I've talked to this. We had a home ec teacher, a woman, a home ec teacher who during, we would be taking tests in home ec or whatever it was, like, you know, Johnny has five apples, and you're just sitting there at the desk, and she would come around only to the boys, though. She would come around to the boys, and this sounds so much creepier now than it seemed at the time. Like, at the time, it didn't seem creepy at all. And I realized as the sentence is preparing itself in my head, it sounds really creepy, but she would come around while you were taking the test, and she would give the boys, like, these neck rubs. Like, she would give you, like, a shoulder massage. 
which I guess makes it sound like really weird, but it didn't seem weird at the time. Well, because you didn't know any better. I guess, and, uh, you know, it's like she wasn't groping you or whatever, so... I had a teacher in high school who was notorious for hitting on girls, and I had... And I won't specify him, but I was his TA for the first period. Were you really? Yeah. Were you no. more the T or the A? <laughs> and uh, I'd just sit in there and watch episodes of Seinfeld that he taped off of um, off of the TV. So it was a really, like, neat thing. But then, like, I'd be sitting in the room. It was just me and him, and he'd be All in right. the office, and he'd come and sit next to me. And cl- sooner and sooner, he would, like, sit closer and closer to me. Yeah. And then start, like, t- like you know, felt comfortable putting his hand on my back and stuff. And I finally had to I, – I stopped being a TA because I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. And he, like, it was, just was married and had a new baby, and I'm like – you know, I'm 16 years old, and right. it's just not going to happen. It's sort of like how my, like if you have a slice of pizza, like the dog is across the room, and then you look over, and he's five feet away, and then you look over, and he's a foot away, and then like he's on the couch behind you somehow, like silently, and you don't know how he got there. So Yes, yes, teachers have left students. It's exactly like a dog who wants your pizza. <laughs> and that's our Teacher Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. You're listening to KCMD Portland, by the way, a proud part of the CBS Radio family. This is the Tiffany Network. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Please yes, entertain sir. us. As, as the case may be, Rick, thanks for taking my call. Hey, interestingly, I, I had a teacher in high school who um, was really smoking hot, and she would go to the uh, uh, blackboard in the front of the classroom, and she uh, she was kind of short. She'd wear real short skirts, and then she'd reach up real high on the blackboard so that her skirt would kind of creep up a little bit. Then she'd look over her shoulder to see who was looking at her. Was your teacher Betty Grable? No, no, but she looked like that. She was really. Uh, what celebrity did woman. she? Uh, what celebrity did she most resemble? Uh, gosh, she did have kind of a beehive thing going, but at the time, you know, jeez, I, I, she was unique. I don't think she really, rep, you know, really looked like anybody that I, at the time or any time since then I can remember. Well, I mean, don't you assume? And I'm not trying to paint all teachers with the same brush. Sarah's mom is a teacher, for example, and I'm sure that she does not try to show off her whatever is to the class. So her um, legs, her it, legs, or, or yes, legs. Um, yeah, but Dance. I mean, but don't you figure her stems? Don't you figure that, you know, that teaching, there are certain professions that probably attract a certain number of people who like the idea that they are going to be performing or be the center of attention, but they're not people, but they don't really want to go into the entertainment industry. Because, like, look, I mean, you know, I'm sitting yeah, here for yeah. I'm 20 hours a week trying to get people to, you know, to pay attention to me. My name is Rick Emerson. I wasn't loved. Pay, look at me. Look at me. Right, so, right. But teaching or, like, like a college professor especially, I think college professors, I think there's a big percentage of college professors who are, oh, like, yeah. failed actors, musicians, and or, uh, no offense, stand-up comics, and they become college professors because they can then entertain people who are, in a sense, paying to be there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and plus you have the whole, like, power over their destiny and the whatever, so, yeah. I went to a, I went to a college, Washington State University, where the profs got to stand up in front of 300 students, and I felt that way about a lot of them. But, you know, I wanted to ask Sarah uh, a quick question, and that was when I was about 17, um, I had an orthodontist who had an assistant while that while she was standing over my mouth assisting Dr. Martin, you know, cinch down my braces, she would, she, I, I think that she very consciously put her, uh, you know, bosom into my ear. 
And I'm asking you this question, Sarah. Do you have really big ears, or did she yeah, have really no. small bosoms? I've had no, them but, do that to me, though, too. It's like there's only so much room for them to move around those chairs. Well, so here's my question. I always thought, wow, this girl really likes me, and her name was Chick. And I thought, that's cool. You know, Chick has got her boob in my ear. But <laughs> was she aware that she was doing it, do you think, girls? Well, you can, you know... I'm just so, there's so much in this call to work with. I, I just can't get past, Chick has got her boob in my ear. And I can't get past the, uh, I want to stand over your mouth. Well, okay, I will say this as someone who has not insubstantial breasts. There's you don't like want to say that on the air. Carrying, see, now it's going to be nothing. It's like just carrying extra stuff around in front of you, and sometimes they get in the way. I don't know like sometimes it's intentional, but sometimes yeah. it's just, oops, well, my boob's next to me. It's like trying to open a wine bottle with a regular corkscrew, and you just <laughs> nail yourself at the boob. They, they're more an inconvenience, really, than anything else. I'm sure that... So was she very large-breasted? Uh, you know, she was probably a C-cup. She was, you know, it was good. <laughs> I'm, I can't get past nail yourself in the boob. <laughs> All right. You know, but I, I think I think that Chick fully intended to have her uh, uh, presence in my uh, ear. Um, in my ear there. Right. Uh, you know how intercourse works, right? Thanks so much. All right, thank you, sir. All right, bye bye. Right, there you go. Girls will just go around trying to find places to stick their boobs in. <laughs> you know, this guy sitting in the dentist chair is cute. I'm going to jam my boob in his ear. That will get his attention. We're going to move on from this section of the conversation. We are, by the way, speaking um, um, clinically here as a sociological discussion in the news hour. Well, because he was just trying to make sure he wasn't molested by his hygienist. That is exactly true. He yes. was wondering whether or not he should alert the proper authority. Mm -hmm. So this was, in fact, as uh, we are mandated by the FCC to do, we were operating just now in the public interest, convenience, and necessity. It as... was a cry for help. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Uh, see, but here's the thing. I was sort of, it, I was kind of making fun of you and Sarah being here and me being the guy. But, yeah, I, can, but I, I can't speak to that. So, yeah. see, you guys, and having two women here, you can give a sort of definitive answer because, you know. You, the, you know. Two women, four yeah. boobs. Because no waiting. Because if, if it's just Sarah, it's like, you know, oh, well, she could just be making it up and lying. Did you just belch on the air, whoever you are, that I just picked up and hadn't introduced yet? <laughs> I guess I did. All right, Don Taylor, you brought crazy to the show today, and I like it. Uh, hello, sir. How can I help you? Hey, how's it going, man? What's uh, up? Hey, it's Scott with the uh, inflatable dolphin arson story. I emailed you. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of stories of uh, teacher prom promiscuity. All right, and, of course, let's not identify any school or teacher by name. Of course not. Of course not. Uh, yeah, well, I had an elementary school teacher that got arrested for uh, apparently molesting a child, uh, which is kind of weird, but the other one was, I was uh, middle school in McMinnville. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm sure you heard about this a few years ago, but they had this gigantic strip search. Oh, of uh, the students? Yeah. I yeah, think we like, did have that story, actually, where they were like, I forget why it even was. Were they looking for something? Was it like, whenever they were like, we're looking for a pencil or some damn thing or like $5, oh, okay. and like, everybody off with your clothing. Yeah, something. Apparently they, uh, like in the girls' locker room, they, uh, like someone was going through people's lockers and stealing stuff, and there was a bunch of CDs that got stolen. And of course, they want to make sure they weren't hidden, uh, like between your buttocks. And so all the counselors came in and they strip searched all the female uh, middle school. Yeah, I, you know, I, I got to imagine any number of schools. Probably the first area of suspicion is always the girls' locker room. You know, yeah. we're missing the John Deere tractor from the soccer field. The girls' locker room. Their underwear has to come off yep. now. Exactly. Well, that's McMinnville for you. You know. Yes, it is, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a moment here and just and KCMD Portland and stuff.
Hi, Sarah. How are you feeling about today's show? Awesome. Me too, actually. <laughs> uh, hello, Don Taylor. Hi. All right. Here's what's coming up later on today, by the way. Uh, I believe we're going to talk to Steve Kastenman, actually, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, he will join us later on. Uh, Jim Roop will be on the program. Dorothy Castaseri for the National Enquirer. A few minutes with Dennis Pittenbarger. And uh, before the bottom of this hour... Uh, we'll be joined for a couple minutes by uh, CBS Radio Portland uh, marketing guru Susan Reynolds, who's going to talk about the KUFO Rockathon, which happens uh, tomorrow. We talk about that every year, and this week's been sort of uh, busy and whatnot. So, uh, but but we want to spend a few minutes talking about the Rockathon. So that'll be um, that'll be up later on uh, today. This is Don Taylor, and then we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. I have a religious nutcase watch. Ladies and gentlemen, your religious nutcase watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Don Taylor. A Kansas-based church that has blamed deaths in Iraq on U.S. tolerance of homosexuality has asked Governor Chris Gregoire's office to approve a Santa Claus will take you to hell message to display among other religious statements in the Capitol's third floor hallway. Oh, is this the, uh, this is the Westboro, this yes, is the Fred Phelps nutcases? The Westboro Baptist Church's message would be near the nativity set. Uh, three signs mocking atheism, and an atheist sign that celebrates the winter solstice, while also taking a shot at religion as, quote, myth and superstition that enslaves minds, all of the state and capital's third-floor hallway. The first part of Westboro's proposed message, according to Spokesman Review reporter Rich Ressler, quote, You'd better watch out. Get ready to cry. You'd better go hide. I'm telling you why, because Santa Claus will take you to hell. He is your favorite idol. You worship at his feet. But when you stand before your God, he won't help you take the heat. So get this fact straight. You're feeling God's hate. Santa's to blame for the economy's fate. Santa Claus will take you to hell. Westboro Baptist, led by Fred Phelps Sr., has protested at funerals for gays and at military funerals, blamed the nation's tolerance for gays for the loss of U.S. military personnel in Iraq, the actions prompted the Washington legislature to pass House Bill 1168 in 2007, making it a misdemeanor crime of disorderly conduct to disrupt a funeral or protest within 500 feet of a funeral or funeral procession. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Like five seconds, we'll uh, be joined by CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Then more with Don Taylor. Don't don't forget, I got the best email to read here. The subject line: Dental boobs. Ladies and gentlemen from uh, New York City, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Our good friend Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm okay because tomorrow I have a PTO day. What is what is PTO? Wait, Eight hold on. Let me. Oh, I was going to try to come up with my own wacky explanation for that. Paid? Is that like a personal day? Yeah, you know, it's the end of the year. you got to use them or lose them, you know? Here's a weird thing. Let me ask you this. You know, when you work for a company, it's like you get whatever, and they break it out a bunch of ways. You get vacation days, sick days, personal days. I don't understand the demarcation. Like, why do they need to have vacation days separate from personal days? Like, why can't there be sick days 
and then like uh, or or just like one big pile of days. Like why can't they say, look, you got to you got 20 days this year, you can be gone. Like just use them however you want. Basically, I get to do that. So that it is the best thing ever. You but know, I mean, they, what, they, what is the actual logic, though, behind right. having a separate set of days that are personal days? Like, why why do they do that? Do you think? I, I don't. I just have days, and I use them however I want to use them. All right. So you so they do it like at your at your place. You're seeing that's just a big pile of time off. Yeah, yeah. It's the right way to do it. A lot a lot of companies that are forward thinking do it that way now because they realize, you know, some people don't mind working on the holiday if if it's not their holiday. Right. Why give everybody off? So you know, here's here's you know, four weeks' worth of uh, days off. Use them however you however you want. All right. Uh, well, I don't even. So you are gone for how long then? Just so I can uh, just so I can plan out exactly the length of my grief over your absence. Oh, gee, thank you. So you can plan ahead. I'll be off tomorrow, uh, Monday and Tuesday, uh-huh. and then uh, the Monday and Tuesday after Christmas, I'll be off as uh-huh. well. You're going to be doing something exciting. I was hoping to go skiing, but you know, here in the Northeast, conditions in the New York area aren't always great. And tomorrow, I was hoping to hit the Catskills, which you know, this early in the season is real hit or miss, and I think it might be missed tomorrow. But I may give it a try anyway. Well, well see. maybe if you're going to be in the Catskills, say hi to Shecky Green for me. <laughs> okay. Um, so the uh, it says here market slash economy, and I can tell by the way, this is like when I do the top five. We do this feature on the show sometimes at a top five, where it's a top five list of songs of whatever, like top five guitar solos or top five whatever. And I've gotten to the point now where I have this template. And every day when I do the top five, I will erase part of the previous top five, but there's certain parts I'll leave there, like the very opening and the very end and whatever. And I've noticed that the markets slash economy has just become like that on the scene in prep sheet, where it's kind of what you're talking about every day when you're not busy talking about uh, something else. So, But it's also kind of become like this... It's become like this, uh, you know, like this waterfall that you live to, uh, live next to, that after a while you don't even really hear anymore. It's just sort of, it's just become this like long, ongoing, painful thing that we don't even really comprehend. So, let me ask you to whatever extent you can speak to this. Maybe you can't. Okay. Uh, we're in what December tenth or eleventh or whatever the hell it is. Where are we compared to like, oh, I don't know, a year ago? Oh, compared to a year ago, we're in pretty bad shape. I mean, we're. We're effed compared to a year ago, as Anderson Cooper would say. Yeah, I mean, because a year ago, we were literally at the peak of the economy, and then it started turning down downward uh, in December of 2007. And so we are where we are where compared to, I don't know, like the last few days or a week ago, because it seems like I heard this. Hey, let me ask you this. This is a good time to ask another question. Okay. What does it mean when something rallies? They said the stock market rallied today. I don't know. what It's like when something's in the pipeline. I don't know what it means when something rallies. It's just another word. It's just another way for, for business reporters who pretty much report on the same thing every day to, to change it up. Instead of saying the market was up, you say the market rallied. Right. The market had a, a, a bull session today. Yeah, yeah, it's because they get bored reporting the same thing over and over again, so they, they come up with different words. If uh, on the Rick Emerson program, if we can come up with a different synonym, like one that we just made up from scratch uh, for rallied, uh, will you use it? You, you know, yeah, but I was just thinking about it because there's just commercial uh, here for, uh, for some investment house, and they're supposedly they make conservative investments, and... You know, it's been like a family-run house for a long time, and, like, the patriarch of the family comes on the commercial and he says, the market goes up, the market goes down. It's, no, really? You're kidding me. You know, his selling point for, for why you want to invest with them is because the market can fluctuate. 
You're kidding. I'm really? telling you. Here's what we're going to do. At some point, this is like going to be, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago we did this thing of coming up with a name for a collective of zombies. Uh, you know, like is it going to be a stagger of zombies or a lurch of zombies? And we came up with a slaughter. No, was it slaughter? Was it a slaughter of zombies? Is that what we came up with, Sarah? I think it I was. I think so. There's so many good ones, I can't really remember which one you settled on. Ah, that's uh, now for some reason, I think it was a slaughter of zombies. So I'm going to try to come up with some sort of euphemism for the stock market being in ascendance, and then just you can just sort of put it out there, and we'll see if I can get the entire country to say it. You know? Yeah, because every, everybody's been using the same uh, slogans over and over, so uh, if you want to come up with a new one, right. I'd be appreciative. I'm yeah. all over that. Hey, here's another great idea. Remember that thing they did uh, some years back where they had Fred Astaire? Uh, dancing with a va- with a vacuum cleaner or some damn thing in a commercial. Yes. And then about three years ago, that movie Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow came out, and they had Laurence Olivier in it. You know, and he's been you know dead for however long. And uh, and and you know, but they through the miracle of you know science and technology, as my friend Brandon would say, they gumped his ass uh, right into the film where the Laurence Olivier who was dead was still in Sky Captain. Here's what somebody needs to do in these times of economic and financial woe and uncertainty. A voice of sterling confidence and assurance needs to be brought back, and that voice is that of John Hausman. This is the time for somebody to get footage of John Hausman and put him back in a television commercial for some company uh, that is going to like uh, you know that, that is going to put salve on your financial wounds. So you think his voice? Will make people feel better, or even his, even his, you know, his visage. Sarah is too young to probably remember John Houseman, but but he was this actor. I don't even know if he was a. He might be. He was one of those Americans, I think, that seems British because he was just such a such a snob. But right. he had. But he worked for. God, was it was it E. F. Hutton or somebody? He, but his, his the famous tagline was, "They made their money the old-fashioned way. They earned it." And then it was just the name of the company, and you watched him, and you kind of went. By God, that's a company that I will hand my entire livelihood over to because they just seem so rock solid confident. John uh, Robin Hausman. Williams does amazing uh, imitation of John Hausman because he was uh, one of uh, Robin Williams' teachers at really? Juilliard. At Juilliard, of course. So he needs to be in a commercial right now. And the company that does that, I'm telling you, they'll see a little bit of bump in their business. You mark my words. Uh, I, I I believe you. I think you're right. All right. Uh, <laughs> Yes. I don't know if there's anything else we're supposed to be talking about today because I lost the second half of the prep sheet. Uh, Is there anything else you're discussing that doesn't have to do with uh, sodomy? (laughs) Yes, and it's economy-related, but uh, there's a joke in there. I'm not going to make the rhyme. You do it if you want to. I'm not going to do it. Okay. So uh, I have two pieces of good economic news and one piece of bad economic news. Should I start with the bad and then end with the good? I was going to say you do it like a sandwich, you know, sort of like a bell curve. So do good, bad, good. Okay, so uh, let me get to the mortgage rates first then. This is good news. Mortgage mortgage rates have hit a a four-and-a-half-year low. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate has now fallen to 5.47% this week which is huge if you're out there. Uh, it's a buyer's market. And if you've got good credit right now, that combined with such a low interest rate means that you know, you'll know you be saving hundreds of dollars each month on your living expenses. So now is a really good time to buy. Are you, in fact, a realtor when you're not at CNN? <laughs> you know, well, you know, in August we bought our, our, new, uh, our new condo, so I'm all about that. All yeah. right, just checking. All right, what is, the, uh, what is the bad news, sir? All right, here comes the bad news. And it is on the jobs market. Jobless claims have hit a 26-year high. The Labor Department reported today that initial filings for state jobless benefits surged surged to 573,000 for the week ended 
December 6th. Mm. And uh-huh. that's, that's incredible. 573,000 people walked up to unemployment office windows for the first time last week and applied for unemployment benefits. Uh, all right. Well, what is the what is the good news that we'll end with here? Is sort of a sorbet. Okay. So uh, the other good news, and let me get back to this page here, is that uh, Americans, because uh, uh, they're not spending much money uh, right now, as, mu- as much money as they had been before the, the recession. You know, there, some folks are still working and and they're getting the same salary. So what are they doing with that money? They're paying down their debt, and Americans' debt as a whole has shrunk for the first time ever, ever. Household debt falls by 0.8%. Isn't that incredible? I love the idea that somehow but it takes like the threat of losing your job and a 26-year high in unemployment and the implosion of the market and possibly living in a box out on the street corner for people to decide, I don't know, maybe it's not a good idea to be 400 grand uh, in hock all the time. So, hey, by the way, real, real quickly... I'm going to hand, hand this off to you. I know you're going on vacation or paid time off or whatever. Here's an idea you should do when you get back. It's not too late to do this. Or maybe hand it off to Ali Velshi or somebody. Somebody needs to do like a little logo or a mock-up or a, or, or a story slug or something called Dawn of the Debt. Oh, Dawn of the Debt. Dawn like... of the Debt. And then you could do Day of the Debt, Night of the Living Debt, Land of the Debt. I'm just telling you right now. A little idea for me to you. The kids, they'd love it. I like it. All right. I like it. Well, enjoy your time off, my friend. Travel safe, and uh, we will speak with you when you return. Until then, may the good news be yours, Steve. Uh, you know, this should be our new format for my appearances on your show. Good news, bad news, good news. I'm telling you because you know what it is. Then you start. You know what it is. That here. It's like every time I've ever had any kind of a bad meeting with sort of like a PD or anything about it, where they, you sit down and what does management always do? Because this is like they tell you how to they tell you to do this in every sort of seminar where you lead with something good, then you just do the big you do the big punch in the junk, then you end on some usually insincere good news. Sarah, I want to say first of all, hey, we're we're big fans of the show, and uh, we really do feel like there's a. We really do feel like there's a there's a lot of uh, potential in the show. You're not part of that, so you're going to be leaving Entercom, uh, and you'll be unemployed and uh, and shamed. Uh, but meanwhile, um, you know, um, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to put a brand new microphone in the studio, so uh, the remaining members of the show will have crisper delivery of their voices. So. Uh, Get out. There you go, right? And that's that's the whole thing is they try to good, bad, good, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You pulled it off flawlessly, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, travel safe. Have a good time off. We'll talk to you uh, when you get back, my friend. So long, folks. All right. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. To the point that I... It's not it's not that way here, and I know it sounds like I'm just mouthing that, but I mean, it, CBS, and you know, we were talking about this a lot on Monday, CBS is really... It treated us very, very well and been a lot different uh, in terms of these things, but it, there have been a long... There have been long periods of, of my career where, and probably a lot of people have done this, where it gets to the point where when you go in to sit down for a meeting and they tell you something good or good news, it's like then you immediately start to cringe because you just, you're just you so used to the setup and the knockdown. It, where it's like you know that that is the preamble. That is the overture to be like, you know, and there's been some cutbacks, and so we're going to have to cut off one of your hands or whatever. So, um what time is it? Is one eighteen? Almost one twenty. Uh, you're going to need to sell your platelets uh, if you'd uh, like to keep that intern. All right, here's uh, Don Taylor filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. We have a penis watch. Ooh. You sort of said it. That was like sort of a uh, 
That, like phone sex operator voice. They have a penis. Uh, see, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna go that way. Um, I was gonna go the. Uh, the what is it? What is it? Apollo thirteen, where the guy goes. The guy goes. We have a reentry. Or I actually recorded a uh, a voice for someone's film once that I don't think the film was ever completed. But I I was a uh, phone sex person over the phone. Right. No and, way. And I I didn't say anything dirty or anything. He was just no. answering the phone, but saying I'm, hello, sexy lady on the phone dot com or something. And yeah. I'm writing this down right now. Uh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your penis watch. Enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Here's Don Taylor with your penis watch for Thursday. This is from Australia. An unly woman set fire to her husband's genitals while he slept, leaving with him with leaving him, there we go, with burns to 85% of his body, prosecutors will allege. Rajini Narayan, 44, appeared briefly in Adelaide Magistrate's Court this afternoon, charged over the fire at her family's two-story home on Cleland Avenue at about 5.30 a.m. yesterday. The fire left Satish Narayan with terrible burns, and Prosecutor Senior Sergeant Bruce Fairman said the injuries could prove fatal. Mr. Narayan was set on fire, he said. His condition had deteriorated to the extent that he has 85% burns. It is possible that he may not survive, so the charges may be reviewed. The advertiser understands that police will allege Narayan applied methylated spirits to her husband's genitals as he slept, then set fire to him. Mr. Narayan is believed to have knocked over the bottle of methylated spirits as he rose from the bed, oh, sparking the major oh, flames. Oh, that's like a... I was going to say out of the frying pan into the... It was the only thing that came to mind. No, so, I think that works. That works. That works better than my other... Uh, who wants to hear my uh, bad morning show joke that I was going to make? Oh, I do. <laughs> I've heard of having a burning sensation down there, but... Uh, 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 no, so, so she just sets fire to his, you know, his unit... But then as he's getting up to like, oh, that hurts. Let me go to the bathroom. Ah! And then he just knocks over. As he's leaping he from the bed, no, screaming in pain. No, knocks the fuel over onto him. Right. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, Narian is charged with one count of aggravated causing harm with intent. Well, that's a mouthful. That's actually a charge. Aggravated causing harm with intent. Yeah. Well, that's one of those weird British legal system things. Uh, Arson and three counts of acts to endanger life. Yeah, so on top of everything else, she'd already kill him. Oh, and arson. (laughs) By the way. All right, there's your penis watch for Thursday. Rick Emerson Radio Program. My troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going. By the way, I uh, we'll get uh, some of your calls here in a moment more with uh, Don Taylor, laid off Portland media personality, who is filling in for Portland laid off media personality Tim Riley. I promise to read this. Subject line of this email Dental boobs. Uh, dude, that guy, this is the guy who claimed that his dental hygienist was uh, sort of pressing uh, her bosoms into his ear. In some sort of weird, thrice-removed attempt to get his attention. Some sort of Marlon Perkins-esque mating ritual. Uh, dude, that guy is totally right. The dental hygienists are always smashing their bosoms against you. It's awesome. It's... And then... And then he now... so weird. And then this emailer, who I will not identify, who is a man, obviously. This emailer then explains the thought process in his head as said bosoms are being pressed against his ear. He says, it's like, well, and I don't think he realized exactly how he wrote this here, but he's describing being in the dental chair, having some work done on his teeth while the hygienist's bosoms are pressed against his ear. 
which explains the following, I think, inadvertent uh, single entendre. He says, it's like, well, this guy's jamming his tool in my mouth. But I don't mind the pain because this hot nurse-like chick holding my arm and squishing her bosoms against the side of my head distracts me. End quote. Signed, Giggity. So, there you go. Okay, somebody sent me a dental office one, too. <laughs> Does it... What is it about? Is it about bosoms it's and like ears? The, he's like, it's different at the dental office. Once it's in the ear... You never go back? Yeah, exactly. He's like, then you can feel the... Uh, gently push on it further. I know the difference. I never say anything because I consider it a compliment. That may sound strange. What the hell? Life is short. Okay, well, can I say this? <laughs> have you... We'll see. And I don't know if you all... It is. I, don't, I just have never done. Well, I guess I'm not a dental. Well, I think if, you, if you're getting your mouth worked on, then you can actually talk around whatever they're doing. Uh, while she has her her boob to your ear, you should say, "I can hear the ocean." Let's see if you get any kind of response. There's a saline joke to be made there somewhere, but I don't know what it is. I mean, what is she doing to get her boob on your ear? I had like, them rest this... them on my arm while they were giving me a cleaning. And it's well, like, see, okay, so now I was going to ask about this, and I don't know if this and all... I don't take it personally. I, well, see, that's but the, the thing. But the ear is like an orifice, and that seems a little weird. The ear... The... I never in my wildest imaginings thought I would be having this conversation today, but I'm happy that we are. So, but this is a question for you all, because as, as women, you know, you are... I don't know, maybe you... Maybe you interpret things differently. But let's be honest. If you're, you know, if you're a guy, if you're a straight guy anyway, and I would suspect even if you're not a straight guy, uh, I think there is something hardwired in men, regardless of their orientation, about. Very careful here, because we are just speaking about this sociologically. So I don't wish to work mm. blue, but walk through these next few moments very uh, gently. I think that all men, gay, straight, bi, whatever have something for women's bosoms. And the reason I say that is, I don't mean to stereotype or to generalize. I'm just going to say, in my personal experience, this is just my experience, I don't claim to speak for, you know, the gay. In my experience, gay men have this weird thing about touching women's bosoms. At A, because I think they're sort of fascinated by them, maybe aesthetically or whatever, and also because I think... I think a lot of gay men, and yes, I am thinking of Byron Beck at this moment, I think a lot of gay men feel like they can do it with impunity because they're presumably not trying to get in your pants. Well, yeah, because it's like yesterday when, or on Tuesday, excuse me, when he came up and he just walked up behind me and started giving me a massage. Like, See, right? He can do that. But it's like a straight guy, you'd be like, hey, stop it, you trying to have sex with me. But meanwhile, yeah, Byron's clearly... Completely but, well, I've done some gay men, too, that it's like it's extra naughty for them to touch your boobs totally. because on top of everything else, they're not gay, mm -hmm. they're right. not straight. So it's like, I can get away with this and hee hee, I shouldn't be touching them at all anyway. <laughs> so but, so anyway, so I think men notice this more than women in general. So, you know, you guys can tell me if, you, if this ever happens to you. Like, I will go, and if I'm getting, uh, like, a haircut, sometimes you go and, like, they'll, like, like, if you have product or whatever, if your hair is just dirty, like, they want to wash your hair. And so... They'll lean you back in that whatever, that weird chair that goes back, and then there's the sink that has, like, the executioner's half moon cut in it. And so you're leaning back there in the sink, and they're giving you the, uh, you know, they're giving you the, the, the shampoo, and they're putting that in the conditioner, and then they rinse, and they repeat, and whatever. And I think we can all agree that, like, you know, getting, like, a good, like, a nice shampoo or a good scalp massage, that's great. It feels good. Mm -hmm. And, it, but, like, do you ever, like, when the person's giving you, like, the, the shampoo or the, 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 whatever, the massage or the, the scalp, like, conditioning at like the haircutting place... No, but, like, do you ever feel like maybe like maybe you're getting a little more personal treatment than the average person, and then you think, I don't know why, it seems like she's really, like, into this. Am I, imagine, am I projecting? And then you start to wonder, 
like if that's a, if that's a dynamic that ever happens. And I will say this: the last time, and I should say for the record, I don't have a problem with this, but the last time I got my hair cut, it was a guy who did it, and a, a guy who, uh, from all indications, I do believe was gay. Who knows for sure? But certainly, you know, did have mannerisms that would indicate uh, that he was gay, and maybe I'm wrong. But it, it, it takes me over the thing, and he's like, give me the, uh, you know, he leans back, and he's like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, shampoo and then conditioner, and it'll make your hair more relaxed and easier to style, and I'm like, great, whatever. And normally they do the uh, shampoo, rinse, repeat. I swear to God, he did it like four times, and every time he was giving me like the big deep scalp massage, and every time, like the massaging my scalp portion of it, like just went longer and longer and longer. It was Like at a certain point, I think he was only mas- just like shampooing my hair just so he could get to the massaging my scalp portion. I think men just have enormous egos and, like, overread, like, a It's lot of because things. I'm beautiful, Sarah. That's yeah. the point I'm trying to make. See, I have a story I could tell along those lines, but I'm not sure that it's... I would have to step very, very carefully and, around... Oh, well, and I should say that... And, I, and, I, and, I, and just the fact I'm thinking about it now, I realize I'm getting sucked into the thing that your show does of wanting to tell way too personal stories about myself on the radio. It's what we do. We keep you in here until I your wheel is broken. I I wouldn't do that. Well, we're going to take a break here in a second. We can uh, think about it over the break. But I, I will say whether he was whether I was getting special scalp rubbing treatment or not. Uh, and it's not like I'm like you know when I go to get like a massage, they they do that thing of because um, I guess some people are, are sensitive to this. They'll say, well, do you you know do you have a preference for a male or female you know masseuse or masseur or whatever? And I was I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. So. You know, so I, I don't really care. I, but I was actually kind of flattered. So I was sort of hoping, like, well, m- maybe I do have fine, delicate features. I'm just going to assume that's the reason he's doing this. When in reality, it's probably just that my hair was disgusting. I probably just had, uh, it was. I was probably just revolting, and I needed to be scrubbed repeatedly before they could do anything with it. Let's take a break, shall we? We come back more from Don Taylor, laid off Portland media personality, filling in for laid off Portland media personality Tim Riley today. Uh, later on. Dennis Pitsenbarger, Jim Roop, Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Program. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on in this hour, uh, Richard Bristol will join us in the studio. We're going to play some of the audio from the most recent installment of Musicology, where it was Richie, Seven Drag Queens, a guy named Nibbler, and a man with no shirt. That was fabulous. Uh, what else? Jim Rube coming up. Uh, I don't know. Just tons of other crap that doesn't make sense to anybody. So there you go. Uh, we're joined today by the laid-off Don Taylor, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Also joining us in studio, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Hello, how are you? Good afternoon. I should say, by the way, that we've been using that name for you for so long now that I forget how it sounds to people in the outside world, like Tom Parker. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and I said that if he liked it, he just sort of, I think it kind of caught could, him off guard. He yeah. I believe he mm. was he, Yes, he chortled, chortled mightily. Well, look, I worked with him back at uh, K103, and we didn't use language like that back then. You still got a K103 gold pen and pencil set on your desk. I do, engraved. They gave it to me when I left. Really? Uh-huh. All right. Did you, uh, did you leave, or did you leave? <laughs> no, no. I left. With extreme prejudice. No, I left of my own uh, volition to San Francisco. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, did you, you go to San Francisco so you could be fired there? 
I did, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have you switch mics really quickly. There's yeah. a weird hum there on that is. microphone for some reason. So, all right. Yeah, that microphone's gone a little wonky. Okay. There we go. That's much better. Um, all right. Let's talk Rockathon. Indeed. You know, for 10 years we've been doing this, and it's been uh, it, it's, it's a ton of work, but it's, it's really a labor of love because we, we spend the entire year collecting stuff, you know, guitars and posters, CDs, and other unique things that you just can't buy. And we get people to sign it. You know, we have a lot of uh, rock and roll types. Right. That, uh, and this is, this is KUFO we're talking about. Yes, Station KUFO. Rock 101, KUFO. Yes. And um, so we've done this, uh, this charity auction every year, and we also do a, a request-a-thon so people can call in and, and they can request to hear, you know, Barbara Streisand if they want to. We've had people request Broadway show tunes, uh, um, TV show themes, and they, they pay for play. Basically. I will say last year, actually, we I... We requested a song. We paid 50 bucks to play uh, Vodka in Heaven by Nicole Arcade. Oh, there you last go. Year, so. Great selection. Yes. Uh, you, and if you've got your credit card ready, you can get... Uh, I did, actually. Well, it's easier for thinking. me, obviously, but I walked right down the hall, and I laid down my credit card, and I'm like, how much? And they're like, 50 bucks. And I'm like, okay, great. Here's the sign. I gave them the CD, and yeah. I'm like, this is what I want you to play. And we have a minimum of 25 bucks uh, for those those pledges to, to play a song, and it goes up from there. We have a butt rock tax, you know, and we have uh, <laughs> other things that we apply uh, as needed, and it's kind of a case-by-case basis that we judge. All right, but um, we've got some really cool stuff. Now, I will say this. Over the 10 years that we've done this, uh, or not, up until tomorrow when it will be 10, we've raised um, $329,000 for Trillium Family Services, the Perry Center, and they, they deal with um, uh, psychiatric uh, mental health for the youth of our area. So it's, it's a wonderful organization, and they really have come to rely on us for these donations. We have got some killer things. Um, you were telling me some of this stuff last night. Yeah, um, we have, uh, well, we have a guitar signed by Metallica, which that is a hard thing to get. I mean, we had to jump through many, many hoops to get that done, but, uh, but we have that. We have, um, you can actually uh, bid on getting Bruce Campbell to record your outgoing voicemail. How oh. righteous is that? Oh, How that great. is really cool. Okay. Kind of a, you know, listen up, screwheads. I mean, which is totally what everybody would make him do, right? I mean, that's like, the, you know, this is my voicemail. Yeah. We have a, a, a drum head signed by the Foo Fighters, one of my favorite bands. Excellent. We have one signed by Motley Crue. Uh, we have um, a guitar signed by Mudvayne, another one signed by Chris Cornell. Um, just a variety of things. So we have a, a few new things this year. Now, we have, you can own a piece of the rock. Now, you know. KUFO, The Rock of Portland. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to, they could bid money to get their name on, let's say, the KUFO bathroom. So like it would be like the... the, the KUFO Dan Jones like bathroom. Like the Bob Binkelstein, uh, you know, yes. bathroom or whatever. <laughs> yes. They will come in after we make sure their credit card clears, and we will take their photo. We will put their name up on the bathroom door or the conference room, or um, they could they could own a part of the DJ chair or the mic. Uh, hey, you know, it's for the kids. Could right? they own a person? Yes, we actually have you. You can. You like, can, could you own part? Could you own Court's left you leg? Could, you could own Court. Now, what does that mean? Well, we'll leave that up to him. But uh, so I can get I my know. name tattooed on Fat Boy, and he would be know. like the Don Taylor Memorial Fat Boy. I don't think. I don't think a tattoo necessarily, but uh, but the temporary ownership. Yes, yes, exactly. So we have these unique things. We also have a mystery box. Mm-hmm. Which is which like, is a could... box full of stuff, and I mean we packed that thing full, so we're not saying what's in it, and uh, we're going to let people just you know hopefully use their imagination. Right. But it's all cool stuff. I can vouch for that. The one other thing, and this is uh, the KUFO Rockathon starts tomorrow at 10 a.m. Right after goes the Corolla until Show until midnight. Yes, goes until midnight tomorrow, 
And if people want to, like, what number do they call? Do they just call they the regular? They call the regular studio line, the uh, uh, 503-222-1011. No. no, that's the front desk. Okay, wait. It was. Contra, <laughs> don't call that don't number. Don't call that number. Listen, Sorry. everything is up at KUFO.com, including photos of all this stuff. We have a cowbell sound, signed by uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. That is pretty righteous. We have uh, the, the complete Chuck Palahniuk Library signed by Chuck. And uh, and you have the storm thing, if we can We have the that. storm thing. She's got a play that she's working on, and you're going to get tickets and you're going to get to hang out with her and she's going to come in and do a little um, acoustic or a little performance and you get to go to that. So there's a lot of cool stuff. And like I said, photos of everything up at KUFO.com. Alright, so don't call whatever the hell number I just said. Go to <laughs> KUFO.com. Uh, the KUFO Rockathon starts tomorrow at 10 a.m. Goes all the way until midnight. Uh, benefit for the Trillium uh, Organization and the Perry Center for Children. Exactly. So right. get your credit cards out and actually, you know, we're going to start taking uh, requests um, early in the morning. I think during the Corolla show so that we can get some of them stacked up and right at 10 o'clock come out of the gates guns a-blazing. All right, so uh, so Sarah, you and I should think of some other uh, song we want to play this year. I mean, okay. we did the Nickel Arcade thing last year. We should think of what we want to play this year. I don't know what it would be, though. There's this band that I like called The Wonderstrucks. Maybe you can play something from them. I don't, oh. know, I don't know anything about that, Sarah. Oh. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Anyway, so thank you for letting me come in and uh, pimp the Rockathon. You know what? Uh, Sometimes I say the door is always open for you. There is no door. Oh. Are you going to come back on and pimp tomorrow? We love seeing your face. Well, you know, maybe I will. I'll be running around these hallways tomorrow. Uh, We will be eating lots of junk food. We will be uh, dressed very casually. And we will be having a good rockin' time. Excellent. Susan Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, the Rockathon starts tomorrow at 10 a.m. Rock 101 KUFO. Go to KUFO.com. For more details. Thank you, Susan. All right. Thank you. All right. You're a good person. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. I'm just going to stop and take a breath here because this is, I, I have to say, and I'm not just mouthing, this has been a great show so far. Everything's going wonderfully. Boy, it's just been, uh, I mean this in the best way, it's just been exhausting so far. Just, it's been a... It, it just, hasn't taken a breath yet. It, it's already 145. We're just jam-packed with goodness. So I'm going to take, do we have soothing music? Don't we have some... Wait, I'm trying to find something. If you give me a second, I, thought, right. I was relying on you talking for about 20 more seconds. I can always talk for more. I can always, uh, let's see. Do I have my, um, do I have my Kinnison voicemail? Uh, I oh, that's thing. soothing. I was going to say, well, <laughs> gas, gas did that great thing. All right, I've got something. I've got a good thing. You don't want to hear this? You don't find... No. This is a little... AM 970, solid state radio. You understand that, you f- Or this... It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. We'll get some phone calls here in a few. Richie Bristol will join us in the studio to talk about uh, his drag show, which is coming up December 13th. And don't forget, that is this Saturday. It's in two days. Well, December 13th, and it still feels far away because I keep... And we get to see Tim. And that's the thing. Tim will be... So excited. Tim Riley, uh, late of this station and much beloved by all of us. Tim Riley uh, will be introducing Rochelle Crystal, which is Richie Bristol's sort of alternate persona, on Saturday. And I do... He might actually be emceeing the whole event. I don't want to swear to that until Richie comes in and tells us. And we'll also play a little bit of audio from Richie and oh, his, that whole thing. the band Pleasure Vessel, uh, who were uh, on Musicology this last Sunday. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley, the laid off Don. Taylor. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. 
An actor escaped death in front of an Austrian theater audience after slashing his throat in a bizarre onstage mix-up. Daniel Hovels, 30, collapsed on stage at Vienna's Berg Theater last weekend with blood pouring from his neck after cutting his throat with what was supposed to be a blunt knife, media reports said Thursday. As he fell injured, the audience started to applaud, (laughs) oblivious to the fact that Hovels was really hurt, Britain's Telegraph newspaper reported. The actor was rushed to hospital with a knife wound that had narrowly missed his main artery. Fortunately, Hovels rec- uh, recovered after treatment and appeared on stage the following night with a bandage around his neck, Austrian media reports said. Ironically, Hovels' character was supposed to commit suicide in a stage production of Friedrich Schiller's Mary Stuart about Mary, Queen of Scots. Austrian police are now investigating whether the incident was a mistake or a deliberate attack on the actor. It's like, well, there was that uh, there was that guy. I mean, not the, not even the Brandon Lee thing. There was that guy. Some time ago on the, I mean, this is like probably a decade ago now, on, on the Golden Gate Bridge, I think, he had like a prop pistol or whatever, and he was try, trying to do some, he was trying to do some sort of viral kind of thing to, uh, to get attention for some play he was going to be doing, and it was a prop gun, but he didn't realize that like it had, it had been left, it had, they put wadding or something in it, yeah. and it was a whole lot of, and I guess a prop gun still expels air at such a velocity oh, yes. that it just pushed a big chunk of his skull right to the other side of his brain, mm-hmm. and uh, so that ended badly for him. So there you go. Well, that's method acting and blah, 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 blah. Uh, we have Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Look, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Uh, officials at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have reversed a decision on the original score from The Dark Knight and deemed it eligible for an Oscar in the original score category. The executive committee of the Academy's music branch initially ruled November 10th that there were too many composers involved in the score. The Academy generally considers only scores that are the work of one or at most two composers. But after reviewing the submission, it concluded that Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard were the main composers and deemed the duo's work for Warner Brothers' Batman blockbuster as eligible. And everything sort of blends together in my head. I can never keep any of these uh, award ceremonies straight. We are past... We're past the whole there will be blood thing because that one okay because it won last year because there was yeah. that he actually won because there was that whole thing about they wouldn't let what's his name from Radiohead his score for there will be blood be eligible because it was some previously existing work that he'd incorporated into it or yeah, some, some had, garbage essentially sampled uh, some uh, previously existing now, stuff can, so it wasn't a completely original score now, I can never I can never tell like what like what is uh, what's allowed and what's not because Hollywood is just so strange about that like you'll hear about those movies that have fifteen different authors. But it's only, like, the first guy who wrote the crap version of the script that gets credit or something, and, like, nobody else is allowed to have their name on the screen or whatever. Yeah, if you substantially change the script, like, at least 50%, you are supposed to get a credit. So when everything goes through these different changes, you've got, like... Like Jim Jones and and Bobby Smith ampersand, right, right. you know Robert Smith and you know it's like yeah. Which is why you'll see these movies that are great sometimes, and you'll go, that's a really great movie. I should see more by that screenwriter, and you know you'll see his name on the screen. Then you go to see the next thing that he writes, and it's just it's just ass. 
And you realize what you didn't know is that, like, David Mamet went in and punched up the script for the movie that you just saw, you know, but his name, he didn't get any credit for it. Yeah, because, like, William Goldman and Carrie Fisher, and there's a lot of people that, that make a pile of money making these movies Dude, much better. If I could if I could do that for a living, I mean, and I can't, obviously, but if I could, that would just, what a fantastic way to make a living, just sitting around and just making other people's scripts better than they were when you first saw them. I think Mike Rich here in Portland, I think he's been doing some really? of that. He was working, there was supposed to be a... Uh, Wait, is that the Finding Forrester guy? Yeah. There was a, it used to be a radio guy on, right. uh, on Kink, Kink, I think, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, he's been writing his own screenplays, but he also, I think, does a little bit. There was a, uh, there's, there was a project that I don't think got off the ground. It was a Harrison Ford movie that about him looking for uh, Lincoln's killer or something. I can't remember what it was. And I remember he, he told me at a screening once that he, he had been in Los Punching Angeles. Well, he'd been in Los Angeles at Harrison Ford's house, like, Working on the script. Wow. So. Well, I know that like uh, Tarantino obviously did that for a while, and Kevin Smith, I think, still does it. And Josh Sor- Whedon. Josh Whedon. Uh, Sorkin, I don't know if he still does it. Aaron Sorkin did it for a long time. Like Schindler's List, um, you know, he was the final author on that, although he didn't get any credit for it. Um, so it's just a strange... That's a we- Being a punch-up guy or a guy who's sort of a script doctor is a little bit like being a great studio musician. You know, like, nobody knows your name or you don't ever get credit for it, but, like, when they hear something great, that you know, you created it, and you, you, but you kind of can't tell anybody. Like yeah, he, Patton Oswalt is doing a lot of that on comedies right now. He's making a lot of money uh, punching up I the think, film script. I think Patton Oswalt, what was the movie he talked about? Patton Oswalt, who was really, really funny, he talked about punching up. They brought him in to punch up, like, an animated film. And I forget, I, I, maybe he, he might not have even identified it, but he talked about being brought into, it was like Ice Age or something. And they're like, I don't know, the movie's okay, but it's not really working. Let's get some funny man in here, you know? Uh, who do you know that's a comedian? And they're like, Patton Oswalt, you're, you, t- you love jokes? Come on in and write some. And as Patton Oswalt was saying, he's like, you know, it's not... Like with an animated film, it's not like you can just cut away to a picture of something else or, like, find some footage that's on the floor. He's like, you, you, like animation is so expensive to do. Like, you're stuck with whatever the final, the final edit of it is. So, he, like, literally, he said, when you're punching up an animated film... All of your punch-ups just have to be things shouted from off-camera, you know? <laughs> so basically, you know, you're just watching the screen and off-camera guys going, you know, like, you know, and... It's, and it's behind the bush! Just totally, and boobs, <laughs> you know, or whatever, from behind a rock or something. All right. There's your... Are we done with uh, We have one more. Uh, we'll do that. We'll close it out. We'll bring Richie Bristol yeah, okay. in the studio. Uh, computers are the dominant machines for games among com- American adults, though co... Uh, I can start again. Would you like to start again? I would like to start again. You should do the Tim thing. Just complain the print is too small to read. The print is very small. Well done. I, and I'm serious about that. Oh, the print okay. is very, very tiny. Uh, computers are the dominant machines for games among American adults, although consoles, cell phones, and other portable devices enter the mix for other demographic groups. A report released by Pew Internet and American Life Project. Phew. Adults and video games details the age group's household income and other factors determining likelihood and frequency of play. Younger adults are more likely to play games. 97% of teens play video games based on data from a separate report, which is huge. Uh, slightly fewer young adults, those 18 to 29, play games. 81% of respondents in the group reported playing video games. So this is what, so fully half of adults? Yeah. All right. It's a weird, man, I could um, I could talk about that all day, and I won't, but how that is a weird thing that they have aged along with their original customer base. Because when we were kids, I mean, you know, a few scattered games. It's like your parents weren't gamers, you know? I had an Atari, but it wasn't like my parents were doing they it. They played Canasta or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who wants to play bridge, everyone? 
Um, you know, but now it's like parents, presumably grandparents even, are in fact gamers, which is just a weird... I mean, it's cool and all, but it's just a strange, strange thing. All right, there's your uh, Geek Watch for Thursday. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. All right, we'll have uh, more from Don Taylor here in just a skosh, as our Asian friends say. Speaking of our Asian friends, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol, who, as Rochelle Crystal, will be uh, doing his drag show this Saturday, December 13th, at North Bank, which I do believe is the only gay bar in Vancouver. So uh, it's going to be... Uh, if Wow, it's going to be pretty packed, so you want to get your tickets now, because I think it's going to be... Well, you're really tall, dude. You're freaking me out. Yeah, by this way, this morning, when he wasn't answering the phone, he was twirling and showing off his stripper skills for me. All right, so i got to give, like, a top-down oh, description of Richie Bristol here. So I have to stand up. I feel all uh, weirded out. This is, no, my... I feel like I should, too. Fine, let's all stand. So but now I'm the shortest one in the room. Richie is wearing a sailor's hat, or like a Captain Steubing it's hat. the captain of the pleasure vessels. Uh-huh. Uh, as, and then you're wearing, like, one of those Echo... Thing, but it's like a, like long underwear, but like it's a shirt somehow. Don't fall over, him. And then you've got Adidas warm-up pants, and then these six-inch clear heels with butterflies inside them. Not real butterflies, obviously, but so all oh, right. So those are the actual shoes that you're going to be wearing in your show, right? Yes, and I will have uh, matching toenails. What does that mean? Like here. Your shoes are clear. Matching are what? Matching, matching to the, to the butterfly? butterfly. Oh, okay. What are they going to be? Like pink? Mm, maybe. All right, who's doing your toes? Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. All right. Okay. But you spent seven hundred dollars on a belt. You can pay someone, you know, thirty dollars to paint your toes. That really is true. It seems like that's a good return on investment. Well, there. times are hard now. Economic. I need a bailout. <laughs> okay. Hey, did you get my message that Tim needs you to write him to see what time he needs to be there? Oh, I sent him yeah. emails. So okay. let's so let's do a few things. So, so on Saturday, you got this drag show that you've been. I mean, really, it just seems like forever. But I mean, I guess we're now up on it. You've been working on this show for how long? When did you audition for this drag show? Wasn't that a couple months ago? I don't know. I mean, it just seems like forever ago, but I guess it's maybe only been a couple months. Yeah, maybe. I think I'm on my, like, this is like the eighth week. I now, think. are you the headliner? Yeah, for you for my segment of it, the two-hour beginning of it. Oh, they're, right. they're also doing a holiday show afterwards to continue uh, raising funds for the Metropolitan Community Church and Martha's Pantry. And so they'll be doing raffles. We got a lot of prizes and stuff, so bring money for raffles. And we should say right now the tickets are available at Taboo Adult Video, one of our fine sponsors. Yep. And tickets are going quickly. A few still left, but the tickets going fast. And and I will say this. One of the reasons the tickets are going very quickly is that Tim Riley is going to be... Is he emceeing the whole thing or just your segment? What's uh, going on with that? What we had confirmed was that at the opening, we're going to have the opening welcome and stuff like that for five to ten minutes. It was going to be Tim Riley and just kind of let him do whatever he wants to do or work something out. And then he'll also be introducing you. Uh, yeah, in, introducing me uh, a little later. Or Rochelle. I'm oh, sorry. Rochelle, Rochelle Crystal, yes. He'll actually be part of one of the acts, in a sense, because one of the songs, it's it, uh, somebody's talking in it saying, here she is, blah, blah, blah. And is and that going to be Tim? That's going to be Tim. Hey, how cool is that? All right, uh-huh. so uh, so we're all going to be there. Uh, Sarah will be there. I'll be there. We're going to be uh, watching uh, Richie uh, Bristol do his drag performance this Saturday. Tim Riley, special guest, MC, host, etc. Um, so before we do anything else, go to Taboo Adult Video and get your tickets there. Uh, and you can find out uh, more at their website, uh, or you know, uh, which is just I think it's just taboo.com. But I could yeah, be wrong taboo about video. that. Taboo They have video. three locations: 82nd MLK and Vancouver by the Vancouver Mall. Well done. Uh, so we should break here, but when we come back, we have, and we've got, I feel bad, we've got these calls we haven't gotten to yet, uh, and so if you're on hold, I, I swear, right after the break? yeah, I swear to Christ, we'll get the calls after this, but then we have 
some audio from you and the rest of the drag troupe or whatever. Uh, Lips Cabaret. Lips Cabaret mm -hmm. on Musicology. More from Don Taylor, Jim Roop, all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this with your calls and Rochelle Crystal and more from Don Taylor. Don't go anywhere. and went to the bump. No one heard it. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio... Odd. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. There we go. I'm going to fix all that later. And so forth. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, on the phones, we'll get Ryan and Frank here in just a moment. Later on... A few moments with Dennis Pitsenbarger. Uh, more from Don Taylor here in just a second as well. And Richie Bristol returns to talk about his upcoming uh, drag performance this Saturday, uh, December 13th at North Bank. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, living God, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. And a good afternoon to you. How is your life? Brother Hammer things. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah. You had to get up at like 2 in the morning or something today, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, how was that? How, how was that? Do you now is it do you, for the Golden Globes? Do you get to go? I mean, is it someplace exciting, or is it literally like a conference room where you're watching something on a TV and wishing you were at home? No, it's the Beverly Hilton Hotel, the uh, the main ballroom there, where the um, where the people come and actually do the present presentation of the nomination. So, you know, I mean, yeah, it could be done. I could sit at home and watch it because it goes live everywhere. Mm -hmm. But but um, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, you are at the end of a long-ass day. I can really hear it in your voice. Oh, wow. Do you, have you ever seen, um, I'm presuming maybe you have the, that, that movie, Live from Baghdad? Yes, I've seen it. So Live from Baghdad, I figured you had it. It's a great movie uh, about... Um, uh, there was a guy, Robert Weiner, who was the, um, I guess, one of the executive producers, one of the news producers at right. CNN during the first Play, Gulf War. Played by Michael Keaton. I Michael think. Keaton. Yeah. Helen Bottom Carter's also in it. Yep. But there's this great sequence where it's like Bernard Shaw and Peter Arnett and those guys were all over there reporting during the shelling in the first Gulf War, which we all remember. And there's this great moment, which you just remind me of, where Bernard Shaw has been up for like 45 hours without sleeping, reporting on this shelling that's happening in Kuwait. And he's live on camera. And he's trying to report, but he's just at the end of his like uh, at the at the end of his energy rope. And he says, "And if you're watching in America, perhaps having a sandwich on three seed bread with a little turkey that would be fantastic." <laughs> and you just for all the world sounded like Bernard Shaw in Kuwait just now. So good for you, sir. Well, it's been a long day. Uh, all right. Well, in any event, so any, I guess this is the part where I ask my hack at radio question. Any big surprises in this year's nominations? Actually, yeah. I thought that, um, that there were two, I hate to use the, the term snub, but it seemed that way to me. I mean, they were just left out. There was uh, Kate Blanchett, who co-starred opposite Brad Pitt in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Right. He's nominated Best Actor. The film's nominated. The director's nominated. She's left out of the mix completely. Mm. Not even a supporting actor 
um, nomination for her. Um, and then Holly Hunter for Amazing Grace. Which I, I'm not even really sure that I know what that movie is. Uh, it's, a, it's a TV show, and she plays a cop. Oh, okay. Oh, and well, there and you go. she's hardcore in that thing, and it's, it's a great show. I don't, even, I don't let my kids watch it, but, you know, it's a, it's a great show. It, oh, it, Holly Hunter, Amazing Grace. This is a little bit of an inside thing. I know why I know that, uh, why I know that television show. Because Holly Hunter, while promoting, while on a junket and promoting the television series Amazing Grace, did this interview with a newscaster named Mary Miller, which is among the worst, most awkward things I have ever heard in my life. Have you ever, have you heard this Mary Miller, Holly Hunter interview, Jim? No. Dude, it Awkward is, on whose part? Uh, it is uh, on well, uh, all around. Sarah knows what I'm talking about. Mary Miller interviewing Holly Hunter about um, about Amazing Grace. It's I'll find the link and I'll send it to oh, you. Oh, you have to hear it. It's, yeah, it's it, hilarious. It, it, it is it's horrible. Mary Miller, who I guess is uh, she was a writer or she was something or other, but clearly she had convinced somebody to give her a shot at television. Like, no, 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 I can do it. This is, this is my the shot, talk, girl. Is the, the, yeah, her? yeah. This is my big break. And so they put her in a room. Uh, or wherever, talking to Holly Hunter, and you know how a junk it is. The stars sit there and they answer the same questions well, all day long. It's by a satellite. Holly by a satellite. Somewhere else. And Mary Miller is so unbelievably bad that at certain points you can hear, if you listen close enough, you can hear the producer in her ear actually telling her, keep talking, you have to keep talking. And <laughs> and just and she clearly just has no, I mean, it is the very definition of the in over your head Interview moment. So I'll send that to you. So, um, so she, you know, I can't, I can't see interviewing a star about something that you could be over your head. I mean, no, it's it, she. It is. You ask a question about whatever movie it is. It's it's a junket, you said, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you know, you just ask the same crap. Like, how did what draw? What attracted you to this role? To this role, you know? yeah. But it was like um, she was she wasn't listening to the answers. Yeah. And I think the producer was yelling in her ear at the same time. So she'd ask a question, and then Holly Hunter would answer. Then she wouldn't say anything. Yeah. And then she'd say something completely disconnected to what was just said. And we should. And we should say, by the way, that uh, Jim, the voice here, we're joined here in the studio today by a, a woman named Dawn Taylor, who is uh, a film critic and then uh, formerly worked for uh, the Portland Tribune. So she's oh, very nice. joining us here. The other great moment about this interview, which now I have to send you, is at one moment, at one point, uh, Mary Miller introduces Holly Hunter, and she says, "We're going to be talking to Holly Hunter, blah blah blah, Amazing Grace," and then and then she just stops talking and says nothing. And the the producer, and again, if you listen on headphones, you can hear this. The producer. In Mary Miller's ear, and her earpiece goes, talk. And then Mary, no, then Mary Miller actually just says out loud, talk. She just repeats it. It's like the best thing you've ever watched. So anyway, uh, and then I know that there was the the, the score. I guess has, has been made eligible for the Academy Awards, but The Dark Knight didn't get. I mean, it got kind of shut out. Well, it's amazing. It had a lot of. Uh pre-award show season buzz. I mean, it's a big blockbuster. $700 million or something. Yeah, but you know what? What's the guy's name who plays Batman? What the hell's his name? Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. He he never gets he never gets any kind of accolades, though, man. You know, he's been, he's been in so many things and done so much, but you never really hear anything about him. So it didn't really surprise me because it, he's just sort of... People kind of forget he's in the room. I guess because he is. A, you know, Christian Bale's a really good actor, but you're right. I guess he as a person does seem sort of bland, and maybe yeah. that's why he can act so well because he vanishes or whatever. But he he himself is not very interesting. You're right. He's not in the papers or the tabloids really, except for that one thing in England. So I mean, it's yeah. I guess that means he's a little bit of a blank. All right. You know, Heath, Heath Ledger's kind of flying the colors for that entire film. Totally. Yeah. You know? well, uh, a well-deserved nomination on Ledger. I don't think it was a a, a, a 
you know. It wasn't like a pity thing. No, it was no. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. You know, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the thing. People go, oh, did he really deserve it? And I think everybody knows that. It, oh, okay. Did you see it? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. No, he did. He, did. <laughs> he was good. I mean, apart from any any of the extraneous circumstances, he, you know, he absolutely had it coming. So, yeah. Yeah, it didn't surprise me that uh, Australia didn't get nominated for anything because it was kind of stupid. Well, and didn't that, didn't Baz Luhrmann finish that thing like five minutes before it was supposed to premiere? Like he's in the room like taping it together like, hold on, stall, stall. Yeah, and it had too many little light minutes in it that really, it, it, it didn't really connect itself. Right, with right. Anything else. And then I thought it was great. There was a nice little giggle that went through the room. Actually, it was a, it was quite a chuckle. When Tom Cruise was nominated for Tropic Thunder, everybody started laughing. Really? I thought that was great. Well, he's got like a five, what, five second, ten second cameo at the beginning Which of the Which is film. basically just him wearing a fat so suit and shaking cat. his ass at the camera. Yeah, that was an impromptu thing they decided to keep yeah. in the film. You know? hey, he, and, he and Robert Downey Jr. were both nominated Dude, for okay, but Robert Downey yeah, Jr. Robert Downey Jr. was good. I didn't he, recognize him. Well, he was, but they're both nominated for Golden Globes for Best Supporting Actor. for the, and, he kind of, and they're up against... Like Heath Ledger and Philip Seymour Hoffman right. in Doubt, it's like, and they're both getting nominations for Tropic Thunder. I yeah, but at least you know, you know, you're always noted now as a Golden Globe nominee. You know, it's like, it's like you don't have to win now. You really don't. You're gonna, you get that little thing, Golden Globe nominee. Yeah, Tom that, that's Cruise. how you're always introduced. Oscar Golden Globe nominee. And in fact, Holly Hunter is a Golden Globe winner and an Oscar winner, and she was snubbed by the really by this thing. And and the thing is, uh, yeah, I think you'll agree with me that. Um, the Hollywood Foreign Press loves what's hot and what's new. Sure. And because there was the writer strike last year, there's not a whole lot of that product. So I think they didn't know what to do when it came, especially to television. Just punt. You know, yeah, they're just going, well, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Um, this was very interesting. And, and even uh, um, Jorge Camara, who's the president of the Hollywood Foreign, Club, Foreign Press Association, said today, well, I've got to look at the nominations. I've got to look at the ballot. I have no idea why this stuff was hey, done the way it was done. By the way, just before we go, I'll play just a little bit of this. I found the Mary Miller thing. So you, this won't be nearly as awful and great as watching it, because watching it, you just get to see Holly Hunter about five seconds in, realizing she's being interviewed by really a woman with just a, just a, just a head full of space. But the, the audio will give you a little bit of the story here. So the next sound you hear will be that of Mary Miller interviewing Holly Hunter about the show uh, Saving Grace. Welcome back to What's the Buzz. You may know her as Academy Award-winning actress, but today she's here to talk about a new project on the small screen. We're talking about the talented Holly Hunter in her new TV drama series called Saving Grace. Holly, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. Talk. All right, Holly, thanks so much for joining us. By the way, she says talk. <laughs> it's saving grace. I apologize. That's oh. an amazing Okay, grace. we love the show. So tell us, what drew you to this character that you play Grace? I'm sorry? <laughs> what drew you to this character, Grace? And by the way, that whole point where you, were, you and I were talking there and then Mary Miller started speaking again, I hadn't paused it. There's like a real-time six-second gap there where she just stares at the camera like a cow looking at a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a lot of slow Homer blinking and what's next, so... That's the greatest analogy I've ever heard. It's what I do. All right, I'll send you the whole thing so you can watch it. It's wonderful. I would love to. All right, uh, go get some sleep and some booze. And not in that order, probably. All right, yeah. Jim Roop, we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, take care. There you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Don Taylor. Hello, Rick All right, Emerson. Richie Bristol, will you rejoin us in the studio? Meanwhile, I'll get this uh, call here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hey. Hey. I uh, just called to let everybody know that uh, another place in Vancouver should pick up the new place flavors of Bezo. Where is that, sir? The Quick Stop on the corner of Grand and Fourth Plains. They have all the flavors. I 
there, I'm pretty sure. And this is Fourth Plane and where? Grand? Grand Boulevard and Fourth Plane. So this is, they have the uh, all the flavors, including the... Yikes. Sorry. Are you still uh, alive? Yeah, All right. uh, I'm a delivery. All right, delivery so man. they have that, including Star and Dynamo, uh, yeah. Fourth and Grand in Vancouver. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right, we appreciate the heads up. There you go. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. Hello. All right, please. Hello. Stop that. Oh, all right. So I have here. Oh, honey. On my computer. Hello. I have a version of Jingle Bells that he sent me that he was singing with the drag queens, and I have another song called Today's for You, Tomorrow's for Me. Right, Chicklet. All right, just let's all take a moment here. So here's the deal. So Richie, as we've been talking about, is doing this drag performance this Saturday, December 13th at North Bank in Vancouver. Tickets at Taboo Adult Video, uh, one of our fine sponsors. You can find out more at taboovideo.com. Uh, Richie Bristol, the Litz Cabaret, Pleasure Vessel, all of that is going to be a whole huge extravaganza. Tim Riley will be there introducing Richie uh, Bristol as Rochelle Crystal and doing some other MC work. So it's a chance to come out and uh, say hey to Tim and to watch uh, watch him uh, do his thing uh, on stage uh, with Richie. It's going to be a whole, just, uh, really an action-packed evening. So we'll back up to Sunday night. The radio play happens, CBS Radio Theater, which was wonderful, and uh, which will be uh, recurring, by the way, in January. So stay tuned for more details on that. But then Sunday, 7 to 9, we have Musicology with uh, Kristen Bowie and Adam Thompson. And Richie told me, he's like, well, I'm going to go on Musicology and kind of promote this, the, the drag show. And I said, I thought you were just doing like a little interview, like a little five-minute, you know, thing. I come down, I was, in my, I was in my office listening to the radio show. I come downstairs to tell the radio show people, you know, Jason and Aaron and all those guys, like, hey, great job. And, I mean, it smelled like, I mean, it smelled like the, like, a, like a perfumery because oh, it was perfume. just, it was like seven, there was like seven different drag queens in full like, not halfway. I mean, it's the radio, but they were method acting. I mean, they were, like, in full-on drag outfits, including you. And the whole band, again, one of them shirtless, all of them dressed like sailors. I mean, it was just the weirdest, greatest thing. So then you came in, but I didn't get to hear the actual show. So this is from that. So Jingle Bells, and then what is this other song, Richie? Uh, Chicklet sings it. It's a little solo by her. It's kind of like... And Chicklet, is that one of the other drag queens? Yes. All right. She's are the... you yelling in the background? Because it sounds like some people are cheering. Yeah, I'm yelling, Hello! Hello! Doing my singing. You are know? you trying to make a catchphrase for yourself? Yes, he already trademarked it. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm going to copyright it like at the beginning of the You should have a special hello. funny little wave or something when you do that. I don't so know that, that you, you can know. trademark hello. hello. I, okay. Like that? Yeah, that would work. Are you, really, are you really doing a limp-wristed swish of your hand? Hello? Maybe a waggly finger thing. That's a little less... Waggly uh, might be better. What's stereotypical? What's the, the... What do they call it? Throwing Sign language sign for an H. <laughs> Okay. That's oh, okay. H. Oh, you know, speaking of Hello. this, speaking of this, remind me to tell you about my morning in my truck, and it does have to do with Richie's limp wrist, by the way. Uh oh. Well. Wow, you're creepy. Okay, uh, Sarah, you've heard them both. Which should we be playing here? Jingle Bells is not bad enough to play. Okay. So, but and this by, one you know, on the other not, hand, you know, it's very straight ahead. It's just very, it's just Jingle Bells, with, right. but with Richie doing his hello in the background. Right. The other one is delightful, though. Sorry, sorry. Oh, chiclet. Gave yeah. me a little. Yes, I, I played it for Don. I'm like, is this as good as I think it is? All right. So, uh, so now this song we're gonna hear. Will they get to hear this on Saturday? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I mean, the performer. There's I mean, lots. We got dancing. Um, but I guess the person singing here is this like an approximation? She of will the be kind there. Of, okay. She will be there. Okay. So she this is the there. kind of thing they'll get to hear on Saturday. It's the flavor. It's the flavor of things. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the next sound you're going to hear is that of a drag uh, queen named Chicklet with Richie Bristol in the background, uh, singing a song called. I don't even know. Today's, Hello. It's like today's for you. Tomorrow's Have to stop for that. me. I'm going to create like a like a like a swear jar. And it's going to be like whenever you do that hello thing, you're going to put a dollar in. Oh. 
Uh, okay, well, let's just roll the ugliness. All right, here you go, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> I love it when the angels come down like that. Today for you, tomorrow for me. Today for you, tomorrow for me. It was my lucky day today on Avenue A When a lady in a limousine drove my way She said, darling, be a dear, haven't slept in a year I need your help to make my neighbors happy, don't disappear ah. Miss Akita, Evita, just won't shut up I believe if you play non-stop That pop will breathe its very last hot, strong breath I'm certain that her will bark itself to death oh. Today Is that you in the background? Tomorrow for me Today for you Is this an original Tomorrow composition? For me. We agree it's like on rent only even more guaranteed <laughs> oh, okay. tax free And a bonus if I trimmed her tree Now who could foretell that it would go so well but sure as I am here, that dog is now in doggy hell after an hour. Evita in all... Is it a murdering dog? dog? Named Evita? ...of that 23rd story. Like Thelma and Louise did when they wow. got the blue. Flung over to voice. the courtyard of the great CQs. Today for you. Tomorrow for me. I had no idea this song was about killing dogs. Tomorrow for me. I'm terrified me. now. <laughs> the breakdown. Damn, Chicklet, you got pipes. Oh, yeah. Who is that? Oh, it's Adam Thompson. <laughs> It'll cost extra to see the rest of them. Uh-huh. Don't need some money, Rochelle. Back on the street where I met my... You can hear how many people are there. It was like 50 people. It was insane. The nurse took him home with some Nakira crumb. And I dressed his wounds and got him back on the street. Singing today for you. Tomorrow for me. I watched the thread of the whole narrative here. I heard something about him picking up a prostitute and then killing a dog. Tomorrow for me. Someone went to the hospital. Tomorrow. Yeah. For me. All right. All right. So there you go. Oh, my God. I really have no response. Now I really don't know what... What to think about Saturday? Uh, what? <laughs> well, Richie's gonna be there, but you're singing now. Have you? I I, I can never tell what we've given away and what we can. Can uh, I? We never give away any tickets. But I mean, you're no, no, no. But I mean, what we're in far as what's gonna be happening? So you're singing a Bette Midler song, uh huh, and a Cole Porter song. Mm hmm. Okay. And a duet. And now I want. Oh my gosh! I guess today for you, tomorrow for me is from Rent. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good, good call. I, 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 I guess everyone's got AIDS was too obvious of a choice. I knew it, that's the, I knew uh, it without knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. I mean, oh, no, that's Lease. Isn't that what that's called? Yeah, their movie's called Lease. Yes. Uh, the, um, uh, so what is the... All right. I, I'm just so, so confused. So the, the duet that you're going to be singing, uh-huh. which I don't think you've announced on the air, is that what I heard you rehearsing? On Sunday? No. Last night I was rehearsing that. But yeah. you know the the one that that's the that's what you get, folks. That song. Have you announced that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you one. make it whoopee. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a which is a great song, but you know that song, Sarah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. who are you going to be duetting with? Uh, Bruce Drag King. Of course, his name is Bruce. Uh, uh, the one that had the hots for uh, Kristen. So confused. I don't even know what's going on anymore. All right, so um, we've been, we've been trying to give away tickets, and it's just failed because like uh, the transvestite trivia has just gone nowhere, 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 uh-huh. nowhere. So 
But but we should say at this point, we'll, you know, tickets are going fast. You can still get them. Uh, Taboo Adult Video. Uh, go to TabooVideo.com to find out locations. You can buy them at Taboo Adult Video, Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal, along with Lips Cabaret, Pleasure Vessel, and MC Tim Riley. Uh, this coming Saturday, December 13th. This is not a recording. This is not a tape. This is live. This coming Saturday, December 13th, uh, at uh, North Bank in Vancouver. Yes. I would, uh, I would highly suggest to get tickets because it's only got a 200 capacity. And I mean, and, th- and I know they were going quickly. So, yes. right. so, wow. Okay. This is a good time to break. Uh, when I come back, <laughs> I'm gonna show. When I come back, I'm gonna show you what I uh, saw when I walked out of my front door this morning, and I can't believe I almost forgot about it. You will not believe how un- unimaginably appropriate it is. So, and believe me, that's a tease, but it really this will live up to it. So I'll tell you what was waiting for me when I left the house today. Bless you, sir. More from Don Taylor, who is in for the laid-off Tim Riley, uh, and uh, Dennis Pittsburgh are joining us for a few minutes later on. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Gary. If I was Dennis Constantine, I'd send an email to everyone in the company giving you the Segway of the Week Award. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Why, hold there. Uh, that's my, you know, sometimes I think. Satan. Oh, God, Whatever. I had no idea where you were going with that. <laughs> Children. And... I thought you were being Nixon. <laughs> I've only that. got one voice, and it's just mine. I pitch, low pitch, it's just my voice. No, my name. The only Nixon I can do is Nixon in Futurama. And it's in that one episode where his head has been put on the huge robot body. And at the end, he's, Nixon's back! And he's charging toward the White House on this big cyborg body to, like, lay waste. So, uh, have you been, have you been, if you've been listening today and wondering uh, about the uh, other voice you were hearing on the program, uh, you may recognize the voice and name of Don Taylor. 
Um, we put up some. Uh, yeah, we talked about this at the beginning of the show, and, and you know, I think probably everybody's sort of up to speed, uh, as they say at this point. But uh, Monday, for reasons that you can, you know, sort of uh, discover more in depth on uh, RickEmerson.com or Rick, uh, MySpace.com slash Rick Emerson. Monday was Tim Riley's uh, last day, and nobody, of course, can replace Tim Riley. Uh, and it would be, as I think I said, the 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 idea that we could ever replace Tim Riley is equaled in its insanity only by the idea that we would ever try. So. What we're doing right now is, I think, making a, a little bit of a half-have out of a have-not. And so we are having a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals fill in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. Today, it is Don Taylor, who you've been laid off from radio and print, right? Um, no, I've never been laid off from radio. Oh, just print. Just so the, print. Just print. And more than once? Uh, yes. Good uh, for well, you. yes and no. It's like, because with the Portland Tribune, I wasn't technically laid off because I was a freelancer. Did they just say, we're never going to hire you again? Uh they never said they wouldn't hire me again, but boy, so I got the phone call, you know, the phone call, right. where it wasn't even from, like, the section head or, or anything like that. It was, like, a third-tier editor Intern. who was the handler of yeah. the movie stuff who called and said, oh, uh, I had to call you to tell you this week. This is your last uh, review. We just found out this morning they're not going to be using freelancers uh. anymore. So thanks. But I still had a, a feature story in the pipe I was going to get uh, paid for. Coincidentally story about you. Bam! So that was my actual last story for well, the Portland Tribune. Well, you want to go out strong, sister. But I was laid off from my first uh, newspaper job. I was there for four and a half years. Uh, it was the Clackamas Review and Oregon City News. What is there to review in Clackamas? We, well, we had a great paper, by the way. It was uh, Mike Russell, who now writes for the Oregonian. He was my editor. We had um, a hard news writer named David Stroop. The two of them were total Star Wars geeks. In right. fact, they did a uh, webcomic together called Jackson's Eleven. That you can read on, you can Google it and find it, but it's all available online. Um, but we were all into, you know, just geekery and cartoons, that sort of thing. So Mike has said that our time there was a little bit like putting out a college paper. Right. It was, it was very smart and really funny and very unusual for a community newspaper. But it was bought by community newspapers. Then community newspapers was bought by Pamplin. And then we got word that there were going to be 25% cuts across the board. And there were four of us in the newsroom. And I was deemed most expendable. So there was that. And then there was the uh, the job that I mentioned uh, not too long ago where, well, actually, I killed um, Our Town. If you remember. I don't understand. Uh, there was a uh, weekly paper called Our Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, when the Tribune started, their film critic went to the Tribune, so they put out an ad for a film critic. Right. I'd been writing online, so I sent in some samples. And weirdly enough, they hired me. I was baffled by that, but they hired me. I wrote, uh, my first review was Bridget Jones's Diary. I wrote three reviews and then got the call saying, oh, we were just told that they're, like, closing shop so you on were, our town. So you're really the Jeff Mc, no, not Jeff McGinley. You're the Ted McGinley. You're the Ted <laughs> McGinley of newspapers. You go there and they die. Well, my husband told me that because I was I was scheduled to be on this show Tuesday, and then he tunes in on Monday, and they hear you being all sad, and he calls me and he goes, you got to listen right here. Something's going on. And he told me later, he goes, I was afraid they were just saying they were going off the air, and it was your fault. You yeah. killed the Emerson show. Uh, well, can we blame you for the Tim thing? <laughs> you can blame me. Oh, it is my fault. Uh, by the way, just real quickly, um, I wasn't even going to mention this, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. So we were just playing the the uh, the, the song from Rent. What is that song called again, Sarah? 
you, my life today, tomorrow, something, I don't something. Know, actually, Chicklet just wrote me, so let me see. It was called uh, Today for You. And it is from Rent. Yeah. I uh, and so Richie Bristol going to be doing his drag show uh, this coming Saturday. North Bank tickets available at Taboo Video, uh, taboovideo.com to find out locations. Uh, our own um, longtime friend and colleague Tim Riley uh, doing introductions, emceeing, and so forth. So you can. Uh, you know, you go out and I'm, it, it sounds it sounds so it sounds like we're trying to manipulate people into you know like buy tickets to see Tim. But I mean, well, Richie's, very Richie's cool. doing it. It's a benefit show, so Richie's not making any money no. from it. No, that's it. And it is going to, going to charity, and it's going to a church, which is great. I love the idea of a drag show for children. Um, but it, it is a chance to kind of go out and see Tim. He's going to be hosting. But I I should say Richie was in here and they were we were playing this chicklet song and I was thinking about Richie tottering around and he kind of looks like this B Arthur. Sort of like in drag. He looks really good, but he looks like a young, hot B. Arthur, which I realized makes no sense. <laughs> so that I had entirely forgotten about this. I woke up this morning and, you know, sometimes I walk out of my driveway. And my truck is gone. Like, you know, like every couple of months. Oh, yeah. Or some homeless man is defecating on your driveway. Yes. Yes. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, so I go out into my driveway and I wasn't going to mention this until I'd taken it off because I didn't want to like. If you, you know, because sometimes, you know, people, I've told you that people kind of figured out sometimes where I live just from stuff I say and whatever. And so I wanted to take this off before I mentioned it so that I didn't absolutely flag my house. I went out uh, my house today and I was walking the dog uh, and then getting ready to go to work. And on the on the back of our uh, other vehicle, someone had put this bumper sticker. Um, hold on. It's stuck to the floor now. Hold oh, on. Rick, Somebody had put notes, Rick this bumper it. sticker. <laughs> and... I'm going to explain this now. Somebody had put this on the bumper on the bumper of my truck this morning. It's a bright green bumper sticker with pink and yellow decorations, and it just says, "Honk if you're a homo." Maybe maybe it's someone who saw your uh, Xbox avatar. <laughs> you need to stick that on the wall right now. That's why you're great, Todd Taylor. <laughs> So, uh, there you go. But underneath the Harvey Dent for Gotham City. Well, here's the thing. And part of me wanted to leave it on the truck to show that it's like, that I'm open-minded. Like, part of me wanted to leave it on the go like, hey, I'm inclusive. I don't care. You know, whatever. But then I thought, I have to be, how can I not mention it? And then I'm like, if I mention it, somebody's going to drive in, they'll see it, and then they'll be like, oh, that's where Rick Emerson lives. And he's gay. Uh, but so, it's a anyway, very so cheerful sentiment. But it looks, but I mean, it's, but obviously. It looks like holiday cheer with sexuality. Well, but I mean, it's not. I mean, I think we can all look at this bumper sticker, uh, and I apologize if you can't see it. But I mean, this is obviously, this is not one of those bumper stickers you get at some gag store to like screw with some uptight friend of yours. This is obviously like a very, you know, it's like a gay pride bumper mm-hmm. sticker. But I do wonder, like, if it was random. So you know, spent money on this. Well, but it's like, and you know, then put it on your car. Well, and like yesterday, wasn't yesterday day without a gay or whatever that's calling gay to work? Yeah, because Byron said it was tomorrow. When so he was I wonder if this was part of like if there was some sort of like a gorilla sort of like pride thing Maybe where they Byron were like. Byron Beck did it. Well, it's entirely possible. So I almost wanted to leave it, but now I'll put it in the studio. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where should I put it, Sarah? Next to the Harvey Dent for Gotham City. Like here? Yeah. There we go. So. uh... Fantastic! Oh, that's beautiful. Now I can look at it every day. All right, uh, Don Taylor. I we probably don't. We only have to, to break yeah. here. So, um, thank you so much for coming in. I mean, it was really wonderful, and I know that you know it's a, a bit of a. Oh, I don't but she doesn't need to tell her story. Is this the gynecological story? Well, we'll just have to have her back. Okay. All right. So, next time, Don Taylor. Next time on Don Taylor. You, which yeah, sounds weird. I'm sorry. That here. sounds weird too. Uh, you'll tell. Well, this is because of the story about boobs in the ear. Yeah. 
It'll all make sense when you hear the podcast, kids. Uh, all right, so Don Taylor, thank you so much for coming in. She writes for Film.com and uh, was gracious enough to come in uh, today under uh, you know mixed circumstances, I would say. But it, it was wonderful to have you. You did a great job. Well, so, thank you. Uh, in all seriousness, it was really, really fantastic. It is thank you so much. It's always enormously fun to do this. All right. We'll take a break. Come back after this with Dennis Pitzenbarger from Miles Around Radio. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Go nowhere. We now have the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Join us tomorrow, and our guests will include Aaron Geek in the City Duran and the uh, hip swinging sounds of Nickel Arcade, who will be uh, joining us in the studio. We're now joined by Dennis Pitzenbarger, host of Miles Around Radio, airing 9 to 11, soon 9 to noon, right here on this very fine radio station, Saturday mornings, as well as Miles Around Television on Comcast Sports. 1.5 million households coming thank for you. you next. Well, uh, thank you. Appreciate Tell me it. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, dude, you are the man. I have to say that I, you know, thank you, one, for the Knight Rider music. Um, but I have to say, though, a lot of people have uh, put in their two cents and their uh, condolences and their sad thoughts about the seat that I'm sitting in. Yeah. And I will, uh, I just have to say that that was, uh, it was a, a sad thing to hear. Um this seat can never be filled. Certainly not by me. I mean, I'm, I am. If, if, if uh, you only fill the seat physically. I, yeah, if he is at one end of the spectrum of radio professionalism. I am at the complete other. So uh, that would be the. Uh, Every yang needs a yin, my friend. And uh, that's why I'm on the weekend. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's been fun. It's been an interesting week in the car world as always. Um, I blew up my race car in a spectacular fashion. How do you mean? Um, well, I went down to the Salem Indoor Racing, uh, and uh, I've been very lucky that I hooked up with this guy uh, from a shop called ProTech Automotive. They put my race car together, like made it work really good. I go out, and it's like I'm so excited to race. I mean, you you think I'm caffeinated or you know over-exuberant about the things I do in my life. I get out there on the racetrack. I'm finally getting the handle on the race car. I'm starting to fight the guy for second place. Uh, you know, it's not to get overcomplicated, but uh, basically what happened is I'm coming out of four, turn four, down, barreling down the straight, turning too many RPMs, and literally like the most ear-shattering, grinding, smashing, destructo sound you've ever heard. I completely imploded the transmission in my car. Uh, the bell housing, which is the part between the engine and the transmission, uh, that exploded into several different pieces. <laughs> uh, there's there's video. <laughs> My, as you put it, the true dream team behind Miles Around Television. Right. They both, they both uh, walked around puffing their chest. And we said, got video. Oh no! The thing is, he missed the video oh. because I was fighting for the. I was fighting oh. to get this position, and he swung around because he knew I was getting the getting the, the right, pass on the right, game. right. And the only video of the of the thing exploding and literally sparks flying twenty yards out of the back of the car, coming into the uh, into the cockpit of my race car. It's so funny. All you, all, the only video I have is my wife with a little camcorder. Like the Zapruder film of the car world? Totally. It is, it is you know, like uh, whatever that was, the black and white film, the, the horror movie. Anyway, she's following me around the track, and then it's the explosion happens. The only video I have is her then, of course, the, the camera going in every which direction. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because it, it literally, like, red flagged the race. They had to shut it down, pick up pieces of my motor. But let's oh, be honest. Man. Can we just, just like Tom Parker and I trying to one-up each other and how badly we've been fired, you're kind of proud of this. I can what? tell. A dude, and I totally destroyed the engine. Oh, no, this is a bragging story. That's okay. Well, I mean, I do what I, I wrecked can. that car. Well, it was unfortunate. There was, there was, it was an unfortunate thing that happened. Um, there was uh, things put together in the car that we'll just say as, leave as questionable. And 
the guys uh, that put my car together, ProTech, they got so much bite on it that when it when all that energy went through the car, one thing was going to break, and it was the weak point in the transmission. And so anyway, it was. It's one of those things that's just racing. It makes for good storytelling. I, I admit it's not really a bragging story, but it was fun. Excellent. So. I know that you guys have touched on it a little bit. Obviously, the uh, $11.5 billion we all get to pay into. Now, is that what it is? Is that, do we even know at this point, the well, bailout? That has been the proposed right now. Sales were down. Uh, this is the thing that's interesting is, if you're in the auto industry, there's a, there's a number that's 16.1 million cars. Right. Um, we're on pace for next year, judging on what's going on in the auto industry, to sell uh, about 12.23 million. Um, that'd be 16% yeah. off, which means... They a lot of people don't want to realize that if you drop that that rock in the pebble or that that rock it ripples in the pond, out. The ripple is uh, they've always they've, the auto industry said there's going to be a recession four years ago, and uh, well, it's it, good to know they were saving. Well, the, yeah, and the thing is, is you know, I mean, I can take the low lying fruit and say, you know, oh boo hoo, the people that are cutting back are now doing buy with the ten thousand dollar a month job versus the seventy five thousand dollar a month job, but uh, you know, to each their own. But it's the, it is already passed the House of Representatives. Um, it was a vote of 237 to 170 to pass the bailout. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to the Senate, which, of course, as we all know, the Senate is a little bit more reserved on, hey, wait a minute, billions of dollars? Let's take a second look at this. Can I tell you, and I don't mean this to sound snarky, it is so weird to hear you knowledgeably talking about the political process. It's, like, freaking me out a little bit. And I know it's because it's the automotive, and you know your, you know your stuff, obviously. It's just, it's just weird. It's, it's just like a... I, I, it's like a bacon and bacon soda thing happening. Um, I, I admit it. You're reading it off I, a piece I, of I paper. Cheat, All right. Cheat, cheat. Hey, so here's it, and this is more the time than we got, and we have to wrap it up here. Unfortunately, I sorry we ran a little bit behind it. Is this is a lot of this because of the union? Because you always hear that Honda and Toyota aren't asking for money. Uh, you know what? Unions are a thing that can get me on a on a soapbox. I'll leave it at this. There's over a hundred thousand UAW GM workers right now on full pay, at close to or if not over a hundred thousand dollars, that chopped off a pinky. We talked about this last right. week. Chopped off a pinky and they're getting full pay. I um, unions need to be busted. Uh, unions were there to protect workers from the, you know overbearing bosses that took advantage of them, and they spun right around. And now there's a bunch of people. Uh, Chrysler just a year ago uh, offered huge uh, buyouts and a lot, and 35 percent of the people took it, and they're just going to get paid for not going to work. And it, it, it's it's just a, I mean believe me, we would have to add the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth hour of miles around to get through that topic. So. Well, there you go. I will say, uh, on that note, it really is uh, It really is a truly great show. Miles around, 9 to 11. Uh, uh, soon. Well, soon three hours, but I just want to say we have a very cool guest oh, coming yeah. on this weekend. Uh, it is uh, Nate Shelton from B&M Racing. He is one of, he is uh, he is the Trey Parker of the auto world, if you wanted to put it into your world. Uh, he is a very cool guy who owns a company that owns B&M, Hearst Shifters, like I got tattooed on my arm. That's where it all started. So anyway, we'll be there. And then, of course, Big Jim and James Sexy Mother behind the board. Big Jim! His own show on KUFO. Now I'm just a little guy in a booth with him. Dennis Pittsburgh, ladies and gentlemen, Miles Around Radio, Saturdays 9 to 11, soon to be 9 to noon, and Miles Around TV on Comcast Sports, 1.5 million households. Fear him. All right, thank you so much. We want to thank Don Taylor, of course, Dennis Pittsburgh, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Jim Roop. Lisa Desjardins, did I already say that? God damn, Ed McCarthy. Ah. Oh, damn, my curse my metal body. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Schellen for Amen and the Talker in the newsroom. Don Taylor on the phone. Richard Bristol, gatekeeper Dave's in, webmaster Fritter upstairs, uh, and all of the rest. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. Today for you, tomorrow for me.